Welcome to the 41st episode of the Parapod. You're here with your hosts, Mark and Owen. We're How back he again. Is. How he again. Is. It's a brilliant day outside. It's mighty amazing. It's a cracker. That's I think what it is. It's a cracker. I think May is finally showing its true colors. You know, all the rain is gone for the minute. Uh, we're we're kind of living it. You yeah, know? June just, or fucking June. May just sneaking out at the end. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a, a decent month now. The leave insert weather is on the way. Next week is going to be scorching, I'd say. Yeah, man, hopefully. There'll be good weather on the weekend. Is it, yeah? Yeah. Like yeah. 17 degrees or something. Yeah, one of the taxi drivers was saying it's going to be heat wave. Hopefully. I was like, yeah, sure. I'm all for a heat wave. I'm pro heat waves. I'm pro heat. I'm pro heat. Yeah, pro heat, yeah. But yeah, how have you been getting on? Pretty grand. How's your week been? Good? Pretty good. Pretty chilled. Same. Relaxed. Yeah. How yourself? Yeah, same. How have you getting on? Grand, yeah. Starting a new job, so living it up. There we know. go. Here we go. Back on the ladder. <laughs> you know, Sinn Féin membership in the bin. Uh, how are you getting on Leo Varadkar you mm-hmm. know got my last payment there the other day love to see it mm-hmm. though you were saying that I might get another payment so maybe it just keeps paying off mm-hmm. you know Fianna you think about it they're not that bad yeah you know <coughs> Leo it's kind of good looking <laughs> I kind of like him kind of kind of a gay Michal there we go <laughs> Michal yeah he has to go he has to go replace him with Fianna Fáil you know better looking lads in there somewhere I'm sure there's one definitely <laughs> that has to be gotta be <laughs> yeah you know that's great sounds good how's it work Easy so far, easy so far. I think it's going to get harder, but what can you do? You know? Always does, brother. <laughs> it always does at some point, you know. But office work, it's like office work is just like, it's like exactly what they, they, they show in the movies. It's just yeah. doing nothing all day. Mm. And then you put in like a half an hour of effort and they get paid loads at the end. That's it. You know. And the people who do the real work get paid fuck all. Yeah. You know. Oh well. Oh well. Hates me damn. That sucks. We're going to be coming to like a Fight Club podcast or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking split personalities talking to each other. Yeah. Sounds good. What have you been watching? What have been watching? I've been watching a good bit. I've been watching a good bit, I won't lie. Um, yeah, Jesus Christ is the fucking team here, you know? Yeah, no. This is a, uh, this is just a... Well, you come off at the end with the, with the nice little... Uh, Synthesis. Synthesis, yeah. I just watch a load of random bollocks, but I keep on. <laughs> but I realize that that's you. You make a little like theme, whereas I'm just going through like different series or directors. So, series. so continue on with that. I watched the uh, Rob Zombie's Thirty One. Nice. This is his. I think Three from Hell is the next. Is like the newest film, and Thirty One was one that came out before that. Uh, this thing was crowdfunded, um, because. Uh, like this is such a strange movie. This is such a weird movie. They, like, I know it's like a cliche to say, but they, they don't really make movies like this. And it's I just think not recent, though. This is 2016, but it was crowdfunded. Like, it's kind of like an independent movie. All right, yeah. Um, it's really weird. It's really fucking weird. It's kind of good in its weirdness, but it's also like just like the, it's this weird like disconnect with Rob Zombie, where like. Like he in the film, he has like a little person who runs around with dueling two two knives, dressed as Hitler with a sm- with a big swastika on his chest, and like running around killing people. And it's like, why is that not like in any way funny or enjoyable or like cheesy? Like it's 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 this weird thing with Rob Zombie. <laughs> it's not good at all. Like, no, it's just weird for the sake of being weird. It's just weird. Or like you're trying too hard or something. I don't yeah. know. But like it's still really all right. So the premise of this film is um we follow five i think it's five maybe six uh 
people they're like they work for a carny um they're like going on a road trip and they end up crashing no they don't crash they stop because there's like shit on the road or whatever and they get kidnapped and then they wake up and they're malcolm mcdowell is on a banister he's back he's back once again love to see him he's dressed as like the aristocracy like white wigs white face and everything and uh he's saying that they have this betting game called 31 and he's like you fuckers are going to beat the contestants here are your odds and he goes through all the odds like they're all like the the best odds that anyone has is 60 to 1 for surviving because mm. no one's ever survived the game and him and all of his mates are going to bet on them but there's him and these two uh, women so like that's what the plot is that's what like that that's all the setup in the 20 minutes and then the rest of it is just the game and like nah it's just not very good it's no, no it's oh, it's just so it's really weird like all the characters it's not even that they're bad it's just that like you don't connect with them on any level mm. whatsoever it's, they're not likable they're not even like they're just like weird and bad like just kind of dirty weird people and then like the villains the killers they're like super that it's like they re he really tried hard there's there's two like brothers or best mates whatever who are like they both use chainsaws and like they come out together they're like a, a pair like a duo like a clown duo mm. and it's like how is that not funny or good in any way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you know what i mean it just doesn't work <clears throat> it just doesn't work but like it's still weird and kind of enjoyable in in that yeah yeah i don't know Maybe it's like the enthusiasm of it, you know, like, like who put like how, what's the budget? How much did the crowdfund? Like a decent enough, like a few the, mil, like. But the other thing, right, is that this thing is crowd. Yeah, a few mil. The budget is. Um, the other thing is that this is like crowdfunder, right? So people want this from Rob Zombie. Mm. When it was sent to the to the censors to be released, it got an X rating or something. Um. Which I have no idea what that means. Like, That's X like writing. you can't like show it anywhere or something like that. Or only like, uh, it's like porno here doesn't show and stuff. But it's like, I think you have to be, I don't know, it's like the, the highest rating you can get. Yeah, I don't, you know? uh, yeah, I don't it's know. It's like what like uh, Clockwork Orange got. Mm. You know, like like absolute obscenity basically. Yeah. So um, maybe I got that, but because then it got fucking edited down to an R rating and then it got released. And it's like, like it's really gory and violent. But, like, you can tell what is going on. Like, you can tell that <clears throat> if it was released, like, to its full extent, there would just be more gore. But, like, the action is so bad. Mm. Like, this is, like, the worst jump cut kind of shaky cam shit. It's, it's impossible to tell what's going on. Like, at one moment, I was like, I'm pretty sure. T I thought I was like, okay, so one person. I know one person died there, 100%. Then, in one, then the other character that's there. Who's not like one of the six that go into the hell maze thing, whatever. He's like the driver of the van, whatever. I have no idea what happened to him. He just doesn't show up after they get attacked. So I assume he got killed, but I literally like could not tell whatsoever. Yeah. That's how bad the action and like violence in the film is shown. Yeah, maybe they couldn't afford an editor, you know? Maybe it's just like, um, it's like a it's like a very like a skeleton crew kind of thing. Mm. Poor old Rob Zombie on his own, you know. Though he, like, he's pretty rich, like why did he have to crowdfund it? He, he's meant to. I'm not yeah. You know. You think that Rob Zombie that that's would have been able to basically do whatever he wanted? Yeah, 
Like he's lo- he's like he's a multimillionaire. He has mm. pretty worth like tens of millions of dollars. You know, just spend a bit on getting an editor or whatever. Yeah. You know, weird. A few lads fund your own films and stuff. Yeah, it makes no sense. I don't get it because like you think like crowdfunded it should be what the people wanted. Yeah, but like it's an edited down version of that. Yeah, is there any good example of a crowdfunded film? I don't think there is. I don't think so. Like most of the time, it's just a scam. Yeah, like, you know? well, yeah, what's something that's, I don't know, what films were crowdfunded, can you name one? No. Yeah. Not a single one. Like, I can't well, name any, so. Uh, no, there's loads of, like, fucking, I'm pretty sure uh, your man from Scrubs did one. It used to be, like, mad, um, remember when they had Kickstarter and stuff? Yeah, Kickstarter. That was a big thing back then. People had movies and stuff. Loads of indie films got made that way. But uh, I don't remember any, any, any good film coming out of it. Oh, I'm going to look here. Um, Kung Fury. A girl walks home alone at night, which apparently is amazing. Uh, oh, the Iranian film. Yeah, apparently. that was crowdfunded. Yeah, that Boy, was. Crowd- I have no idea. That's what just came up when I looked up crowdfunded movies in Iran. Didn't know they had Kickstarter in Iran. Um, apparently that movie is amazing. Yeah, that won like an Oscar or something. Mm. The angry video game nerd. <laughs> movie. That's definitely shy. Uh, yeah, so like a lot of shy, but like Super Troopers two, which. What the fuck is that? See, I've heard of Super Troopers. I have no idea what it is though. Oh, I, that film Iron Sky with the Nazis. That thing was crazy. Uh, um, although, why the fuck did Rob Zombie's Thirty One not show up for that? Maybe the, maybe, I don't know, maybe this was crowdfunded. But I'm pretty sure I've, I'm pretty sure I've read that somewhere. That this was. Yeah, that was. Anyway, oh, fuck no. it, it doesn't matter. Um, Too late now. I've already spent ten minutes already, talking about. I've already it. talked. <laughs> already, it's, it's already been said. I'm not editing that out. Um, <laughs> the um, but even still, even regardless of that, like the characters, like none of them are like engaging in any sort of way except for one there's this one dude called Doomhead um, mm. and at the start it's like black and white and Doomhead walks into the room and it's like first person and it's just him giving off this really intense creepy monologue um, and then he uh, and then it cuts and it's a priest in the chair and he's asking them to like let him go or whatever mm. then Doomhead kills him but like you're just like whoa that dude's fucked up this film's gonna be extreme and like the intensity of that scene is really in like a weird contrast to everything else because all the rest of it is never as intense as that opening moment. Yeah. And the fact that it's in black and white and stuff like that. So it's just really weird. Like that bit is just, it's very strange. Um, and then when you meet Doomhead later on, he's the most interesting character, but then like the way that they introduce him and they're like, oh, we're going to get Doomhead in. Is they're all going like, oh, get Doomhead. Doomhead can sort this out. Doomhead can kill the rest of these and we can end 31 and so they call him and he's just there like having sex with this girl and it's just like uh this is like the hype of like the mystique of doomhead as this like figure like walking through this and like through this world whatever has been completely shattered because you've introduced him now the first time we see him besides like that opening moment which is so intense is him having sex with this girl and just like screaming and stuff and that's like ah yeah you blew it you blew it lame and so like you're just like ah well now this the balloon has been popped and like doomhead is now Kind of like any other figure in this fi- in this in this film, although he could have been something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Doomhead's cool name as well. And even like when he gets into the game as well, like he walks into a room and like this him like painting his face, whatever, and like you're like, oh, this can be cool. But then he starts talking to himself and like explaining to you how he feels. Yeah, and I was like, ah, oh. and then he turns around, and he just starts punching himself in the face, and then he walks out and he's got blood all over his mouth, and he like wipes it, and he's like. 
if there wasn't the talking, that could have been cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the thing. You shouldn't have your characters explain how mm. they feel. It doesn't make that's like rule number one. Show, let, let show the, don't tell. Yeah. Let the actor emote. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you know. Um, and then he walks out, and then he slot like he slaughters him straight away. Um, but yeah, you know. It's just, that? <clears throat> so what happens at the end? Uh, so the main character is Sherry Moon, a zombie, Rob Zombie's wife. She's in all of his films. Um, she survives. She ends up surviving the game, the, the game in thirty one. So she doesn't die. So they're like, oh shit, what do we do with her? Mm. And then Malcolm and I was like, oh, we'll figure out, we'll figure it out, whatever. But then she's like walking down one of the roads after the game, and like um, Doomhead was about to kill her. Yeah. Like he was strangling her for ages, and you think, oh, this is a she's dead. But then he lets her go because he wants a toy with her. But then the the alarm goes off, and he's like, oh fuck, fuck you, bitch. And then he walks away because he didn't because he he's not gonna kill her outside of the game like that's his oh yeah like it's like yeah. an honor kind of thing uh-huh. but then he's walking off and sorry she's walking off uh down the road and he's driving and then he stops and he gets at the car and he's like oh what's up and like he kind of like kind of starts on or whatever and she turns around and she like closes her fists and then he smiles and he takes out two knives and it's like he even blew the thing of his honor thing which could have mm. been something as well it's like yeah. he only he's only the psychopath on the job he only unleashes it then and now like in this one time, it's like a purge thing for him. Yeah, yeah. Where like this, because they only played this. Sorry, it's called Thirty One because it's Halloween, and they only do this every Halloween. Oh, right. So it could have been this thing where this psychopath like goes about his business, whatever. But on like Halloween night, he can just unleash this like insane brutality. Mm. But then you ruin it at the end where he purposely gets out the car and starts on her. And he's like, oh yeah, he's just crazy all the time. He's just crazy. He's just a crazy murderer all the time. Then yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It sort of ruins the conceit. Yeah, sort of the premise, doesn't it? So, that's not great. It was disappointing, but it's yeah. still kind of good. Like, there's something weird and enjoyable about it, but it's also really shitty. It's like the cheese, the, the zombie cheese kind of thing. Mm. Robert Zombie. Like every like so, on my Letterbox ratings, El Bisto, uh, Halloween, Halloween two. Half star, two one star, one star. Mm. This is a two star, and then the other two uh, Firefly films are three stars. Like that's how I'm rating them at the moment. What's Firefly? Uh, Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. Ah, uh, like, they're three stars. They're three star films. So this is bang smacking like in the middle. This is the upper echelon kind of, but only because it's it's only it's <laughs> even numbers at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. You know, what's the next one? Um, are you gonna watch? Um, three from hell, or I'm gonna watch, um, say Lords of Salem, which came first. Lords of Salem did. See, like I'm not sure which one I want to do because with, like with uh, uh, three from hell, like it's it's basically the Devil's Rejects, and like it's like it's nothing has changed like throughout this man's career since like that he had like a brief moment in the middle where he did like. Halloween and Halloween 2 but other than that every single one of his films is basically like Texas Chainsaw and like another film and blended together with something else yeah and Devil's Reject or fucking Three from Hell is that again so it's like is that again Rob what are you like come on man do something different what uh what films is it mixed together with Halloween like or Texas Chainsaw like which say which film are you talking about Three from Hell Three from Hell is just like Devil's Rejects which is like Texas Chainsaw mixed with like natural born killers or something like that. Oh, you know. Yeah. Well, watch Lords of Salem then, and if it's really good, and just end it there. 
No, and on a high note. I need to finish it. Like, I need to finish it. All right. I've gone too far in the zombie verse. <laughs> Do a double bill. See, like, with Lords of Salem, though, I've seen, like, that is something different. The zombie verse. <laughs> yeah, that's something different. That isn't, like, yeah, yeah. 31. Like, four of his films are basically the same. Yeah, so, like, just watch it. So, I want I think I might end with Lords of Salem. All right. I'll go out on a high. Yeah. Yeah. He does the witch trials in that one. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be grand you know uh, that sounds more interesting you know Texas Chainsaw mixed with which is Ghost you know or The Crucible or whatever it's not like Texas Chainsaw what's it like this one's different this one is like his like auteur film apparently his aut- he's already an auteur though yeah no I don't know doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah that's what Nick Fury is described as oh that's so. like that's his auteur oh is she a fan no no because uh. I, I, I was because I wanted to watch it after like after watching a Halloween remake, and then I realized, oh shit, she's got a video on Rob Zombie. I wonder what she thinks. And like, she really didn't like uh, 31. I thought 31 was okay. Mm. But like, El Super Beast, she's like, that's terrible. And the Halloween film, she's like, just like, no, there's something weird about those movies. Yeah. And she doesn't like them. I was like, yeah, fair. Fair. <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So, I don't know. Lords of Sam, I can't remember what she, what she said about it. I don't think I watched it up, up to that point in the video. Yeah. But I fast forward that. Because I think she's up at thirty or three from hell. So, yeah, Jesus, some some web, some web of uh, oh man of movies right there, and the Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, sp- oh. speaking of Texas cha- Chainsaw, fucking hell. Speaking of the Texas speaking Chainsaw, speaking about imagine, a pile of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's talking about a pile of shit. Texas Chainsaw 3D. I watched ten minutes of this film today. Uh, I heard you watched the whole thing. Rumor has it you watched the whole thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Rumors be true. <laughs> yeah. This thing is abysmal. Holy shit. This is easily the worst one. It's not available anywhere. I couldn't find For it. For a good reason. Yeah, it's hard It's hard to track down. From 2013, you know. I remember when it came out. I remember I saw a trailer. I was like, oh. You know. Because mm. it is it is gory, isn't it? It's like... Uh, yeah, it's pretty gory. It's 18s. Yeah. At least. But yeah, I had to go on those. Not, not even the dodgy sites had it. I had to go looking for a different dodgy site. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, fucking hell. I, like I spent more time looking for it than I did watching it, because uh, you you said I just watched the first ten minutes and like that's the gist of it, and it was it was like it just sort of laid it out, but it started out like for <laughs> it started out the first like three minutes were like interesting you know yeah it was like it was like mm, like not interesting like but the way they're really showing the kills and stuff like that from the original film yeah but like in terms of you're thinking oh where they're gonna go because mm. the rest of the uh, if you're just coming in like blind without having watched the previous ones you're like what the fuck is this. But like it does a good job in introducing it. Yeah, you're like, oh, I could do something interesting here. Cause like Texas Chainsaw at that stage is forty years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the, that's the fortieth year, isn't it? Yeah, twenty thirteen from uh, nineteen seventy three or whatever. So so yeah, forty years. But uh, and like a sequel, you know, introducing that kind of way is kind of it's a decent idea. Mm. But then they get to the the present day, or no, not the present day. They get to the the part where they continue the story. Yeah. And it's just like, for some reason, there's loads of people in the house, and like the who cops weren't introduced in yeah, the first film. Who aren't in Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre? Um, but well, like, it's not even that they're, they're they're in the house; they're in the room that was last shown in yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the final scene. Yeah. And so suddenly the room is packed full of people that you've no idea who the fuck they are. And I kind of like, like what's going on. It kind of ruins the entire point of the original film as well. <laughs> yeah, because it's like isolated and yeah. stuff. But no, apparently there's just like random hillbillies. Just like sitting in chairs and like looking and at the baby so, there. Yeah, and they have a baby and there's like women and stuff. Um, and then like the cop shows up, and he's like, "Come out, come out with your hands up mm. or whatever." And they're like, 
No. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. And like they resist for a bit. But eventually they're like, Oh, send the kid up. He's like he's mm. he's uh dumb. Like he's he's weak mentally. You know, they're talking about like Leatherface. Yeah. And uh, Who looks like shit. Yeah, their version of Leatherface looks like it looks like a a, a, hollow, a Halloween mask version. Especially of that mask that, that that he was using there. Oh my god. And it's meant to look like the one that he wears at the end mm. of the original one. Man, holy shit, that it looks, looks like awful. it just looks like latex. Because there's mm. obviously there's makeup laid on to the the one at the end of the original. But that one looks like it was, like, colored. It was, like, made in a factory. Mm. And they put the color on, like, underneath it or whatever. It just looks way too clean. And even the guys, it doesn't look like Leatherface. It doesn't act like him either. He's no. just, like, Woo! He's just, like, moving in, like, weird ways. Um, yeah, the first... That, that setup just, like, just bombs. Yeah. You know? Because then loads of hillbilly show up just as Leatherface is about to come out. And they basically... It's, like, the vigilante justice against the Sawyer family. Yeah. And they burn down the, uh, the house. And all the Sawyers... Or you think all the Sawyers mm. die in the in the flames, um, which is just a completely unnecessary escalation of the uh, of the end of the film. Mm-hmm. It basically ruins the end of the film. Yeah. If you like, if that was canon, you know, or um, you know, if they're because they make obviously making that with a serious intent to be like, oh, we're gonna follow this up, but it just is so off. It doesn't or make, it it doesn't make any sense. Grab? Yeah, it's obviously a cash grab, but yeah. like, at the same time, why would you like? There's so many other things you could do with that. Mm. Even, but like the, you, you could have. Um, it's not just that. It's also the, how it's lit and how it's shot and stuff like that. Looks like it looks it like it looks ass, awful. It ass. looks like ass. It looks disgusting. You know, everything's overlit. It's like way too clean digitally. Mm. You know, like the originals in the film. The original grit is completely absent. Yeah, the originals in, in film and like everything's like orange, and like it's it's like lit. It's like overwashed or like overexposed. It's hot. Yeah, it's overexposed because it was hot. Like that was that's how, that's what they filmed it in, and it looks natural because mm. it's on film. This was just shot on digital, and it's like it's like taking your phone out and like like po- like trying to take a picture of something in the sun. Mm. It's just like you can't see anything really, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then what what happens? They fucking they find um, they f- yeah they find so then the fast forwards it comes to modern day and we're following. The, so there's a the baby that we mentioned in the house. Um, the mom somehow escaped somehow. And then one of the the vigilantes or whatever comes across her and takes the baby and then like kills her by like kicking her in the face really hard. Yeah, how how did he do that? I don't know. She he killed her anyway. Um, and then he takes the baby and then fast forwards and we see her as eighteen. We're gonna say or like at the very least, she's at least eighteen. She ha- man legally for what they do in this movie, she ha- that character. Has to be. Well, 18. she can't be younger than eighteen. Like, holy moly, this stuff to do later on in the film. But anyway, like, this, yeah, she has to be like I don't know, like nineteen twenty. So this yeah, is yeah. like she's yeah, she's. I'd say twenty years. Up. Twenty years in the future. In yeah. the future, so that's nineteen ninety three, right? That's what year this film is set in. Remember that. That's an important plot point that I need to get back to. But so she is just working in a fucking supermarket, or whatever, and we're introduced to her friends. And Cynthia from Malcolm in the Middle. Shout out to Cynthia. Shout also, to the Cynthia. main uh, character in this is in True, True Detective. Detective. Yeah, she's the woman that uh, Marty. Marty gets with. Yeah, mm. Alexandra Daddario. She's in, also in Percy Jackson, which is terrible, terrible film. Yeah, that's not a good movie. Yeah, but she's in this. Yeah, and uh, she's she gets a letter or something. Uh, yeah, this is where I stopped. I stopped just as she was introduced. Yeah, I think she gets a letter or something or a call. I can't remember what it is, but she is uh, notified that 
her grandmother, who she didn't know existed, has left her uh, in her will. And she is the last inheritance or whatever. So she gets the gaff. We then introduced to her mom and dad. And her mom and dad are like so, so incredibly abusive. And it's just like, why did these people <laughs> take the baby out of the fire? Like, why? Because they still hate the Sawyers, which we assume is why they're like so mean to her. I was like, why would you st- Why would you raise this baby then? Like, if you didn't yeah. want to. What a waste of money. Um... So then she fucks off with her mates and they're going on they're they're going off to go see the gaff or whatever and they pick up this hitchhiker dude and they'll go off and they have a good time. And then they're uh, walking around the house and like this is crazy and then she goes into the graveyard and I think that's the stage where you see that like there's tombstones in in, in the garden with the Sawyers written on it, where the family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Thus the connection is made. Oh no, she's the oh. she's a Sawyer. Like this is the house. Yeah. Um Mm-mm. or like the cousin's house or whatever. We don't we're never really expl- uh, any This is the house. Uh and they're gonna have a little party, the five of them. But they're gonna have to get drink or whatever food. Some bullshit. And the hitchhiker's like, hey guys, don't worry, uh, I'll just stay here and I'll take away the bags and I'll clean up or whatever. And like, sure, stranger who we only just met. And they fuck off. And then immediately he starts robbing the place. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he's going around the place and he's grabbing everything or whatever. And then he finds... He's been given the entire set of keys to the house as well. And uh, um, there's a scene before at the start, before they go into the house, where they're talking to the lawyer character. And he's just like... He's telling her... He's running through all the bits, whatever. And he gives her a letter. And he's like, make sure you read this letter ASAP. This This letter is very important. Have to read this. Completely forgot that he mentioned that up until the end of the film. Like, I've completely forgot that was a plot point. Yeah. Um... So, this guy's going around the house and he's trying to rob everything. He's trying to rob all the silver, and he finally finds the door for the big key. And the big the big key opens a really big door, and he opens the door, and then it's the wine cellar, and he's walking around, or whatever. Um, and they said Robin's. He's trying to open the door. There's like a like the door from the original film, you know, that sliding door. Yeah, yeah. There's like a bigger version of that in in the cellar, and uh, he's trying to open. It, he can't open it, or whatever. And then he turns. And he's trying to find a crowbar or something. And then he gets up. And then the jump scare happens where Leatherface is behind him. Mm. And then there's one of the worst cuts I think I've ever seen in a film ever. Where Leatherface starts swinging and then it cuts. Yeah. And then your man's like, it's like the continued swing. But like there's a really noticeable cut. And then he hits the ground or whatever. And then Leatherface kills him. Ah. Is it a good jump scare? It's a good jump scare, but then the cut ruined it because like, yeah. I was like, oh, and I was like, what the fuck? And I rewind. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Is he, is he at least... Uh, does he look good? Um, ha- does he look like the Leatherface from before or has he been hitting the gym for the past 20 years? He's he's leaned up a bit. He's leaner? A little... Nah, like... Ve- no, nah, no, he's not even. No? Not even. He's is he like, big? Like, he's guy. like... He's like a different shape, but uh, like, he's more like the Leatherface from Leatherface 3, I would say. Oh, right, yeah. He's more like that Leatherface. Fuck that. Um, so, looks like kind of shit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, um, so he kills him, and then he gets up and he kills, like, then they come back or whatever, they start partying, and he kills another one, um, and then, whatever, film continues, he kills a bunch of them. Then, uh, she, the main character, uh, is picked up by the police or whatever. Because at this stage, Leatherface has chased her so much 
that uh, they ran through a carnival like filled with people mm. and Leatherface is chasing her with a chainsaw <laughs> yeah. with everyone around them. Yeah. There's loads of moments in this film where I'm just like, why are you not like punching them or like doing anything other than what you're doing right now? There's a moment in this film where like they're trying to start a car and like Leatherface is fucking miles away. Yeah. They could easily get up and run and he would never catch them. Mm. And there's like, start the car, start the car. To the point where he gets uh, fucking up to the car and then he breaks the car and it flips over and they crash. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, uh, what's the 3D element in it? Leatherface will sometimes throw, he throws his chainsaw at one stage and uh, I was like, oh, that's meant to be in 3D because it's yeah, coming out the camera. Yeah. It looks like shit now. Special yeah. effects in this film are fucking awful. Yeah, what's up with the aspect ratio as well? Yeah, it's really wide. It's like it's like one to forty. Or yeah, something. I have no it's idea. It's like really Lawrence of Arabia or yeah. something. You know? <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I have no idea. So bizarre. Um, but then, um, then like so, then she finds out then that her family have been massacred because she's been taken to the police, and um, the mayor of the town comes in, and you find out that the mayor was one of the was the lead dude of the vigilantes or whatever. And he's like, that's that's a that's that Sawyer boy. We gotta fucking kill him, and she's a Sawyer. We gotta kill her too. Make sure we kill her as well. We need to wipe these people off the off the earth. Mm. Even though there is no reason for this, like Leatherface is trying to kill her, and then the mayor's like, we need to kill her too. Yeah, for no reason, just because she's a Sawyer. Oh, does he know she's a Sawyer? Yes, he wants to kill her because she's a Sawyer. Oh, well, that sort of makes sense. Not really, because that's just like, you already knew this. Like, this oh. This is like an hour into the film. Oh. And he's already met her, like, yeah. three or four times. And he know he's known then that she's yeah. a Sawyer. He doesn't want to kill her. Yeah, that's a bit silly. So then, um, we, she has a scene with the with the lawyer, and she's like, why didn't you tell me this? And it's like, it was written in, in the letter. You were meant to read the letter. You were to take care of Leatherface. Your grandma always took care of him. And I knew he was there, but I never told anyone. And uh, you you were meant to read the letter and you're meant to take care of him. And you're like, what? You're, you're like, what? what? <laughs> Who is this grandma? Also, there's also a woman that she comes across, sorry, at one stage, she's like walking around the house, whatever, and she just finds like a dead woman in the house. I was like, who the fuck is that? That's kind of like, they they moved into this house. She's moving into the house. Mm. And this is a, there's a dead woman just lying upstairs, like in a chair. Who is that woman? Like she's like fresh? Not fresh. Like she's she's gray. Like she's she's been there like not so, long. Still as flesh? Still as flesh. Yeah. And she's just there. It's never mentioned again, no? Never mentioned again. Is it like maybe like a callback to the original where the people are in the attic? Maybe. Maybe. But one person, two would make sense. You know, I don't know. Never explained. Maybe she's the granny. She's not because the granny is played by the Sally from the original film, like the girl that escapes. Is it? Yes. Uh, she uh, She was never in anything else, was she? No, not really. Yeah, it sort of shows, you know. But she shows up in the she, two worst sequels yeah. to, the, to the franchise that made her famous. But like... So she plays the the girl that the escapes in the original in the original, who's Sally ha- uh, Hackett, whatever her name is, yeah. is mentioned in this film at the start, and the actor of that character is the grandma of the woman who is taking care of Leatherface. Is that's that's who she plays? Out of all the characters she could have played, she plays that specific one. What are you doing? Why why are you doing that? It's an homage. Bill, it's an Bill Mosley, who's chopped up, 
in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. He plays the dad at the start of this film. Chop Top? Yes. Ah, uh, your man from Rob Zombie? Though. Yeah. He had a real career. He actually had a and go he's at in it. so many movies. He had a real go at it, to be He's fair. in loads of... He's in, like, basically just every horror... Every, like, kind of cheesy, shitty horror movie. He's in, like, all of them. Yeah. Fair play to him, because mm. he, he was just in a fan film, wasn't he? Yeah, he was just in a fan film. And he ended up... And he's, like, a horror icon now. Yeah. Wow. That's gas. He did it. Fair play to him. And then your one who plays the actually iconic role is just fucking relegated to playing grannies. Grannies yeah. of semi-relevant characters in the worst sequel 40 years down the line. Mm-hmm. That's a bit sad, isn't it? That's that's a bad agent. Bad agent. A bad agent right there. Yeah, because he could have been fucking Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, exactly. Scream Queen. Mm. He could have been Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. He could have been fucking... He could have been Johnny Depp. He could have been Johnny Depp. He <laughs> <laughs> could have been that... Uh, what's that kid from the Goonies? Um, uh, Corey Feldman. He's in Friday the 13th. Is he? Yeah. Corey Feldman. Although I guess that Texas Chainsaw... Would, I don't think you want to be Corey Feldman, though. But then I was about to say, but Texas Chainsaw does have Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellberger, so I guess Texas Chainsaw does win in that regard. Although yeah. Johnny Depp is pretty big. <laughs> yeah, that's way bigger, yeah. Well, is it? Oh, they got two. Mm, yeah. That that overflow, that, like, yeah. combats. <laughs> um, that wins. So, the, yeah, she's meant to take care of, um, of Leatherface. That's, like, the reason why the granny inherited the place but like the only thing is why would this why would the lawyer not tell her that like why would the lawyer be like here by the way there's a cannibalistic serial murderer in the basement might want (laughs) to let you know about that something bad could happen all of her friends die like every single one of her friends dies um and the lawyer knew and the lawyer knew he'd be legally accountable in that in that case you know yep (laughs) yep He's gonna get yes. Yeah, you'll be, be stripped from the bar. Like he's a good guy, basically in the eyes of this film, though. Oh, is he? Like tonally, that's he's like a good guy for doing that. Yeah. Um, and so she, so when she was in the fire, her mom was wearing uh, a Sawyer necklace thing and that was burnt onto her chest, right? So she gets captured by the cops, who are like the cop, the main like good-looking cop, whatever, is actually um the son of the mayor. So he brings uh. Whatever her name is, I think her name is Heather. Uh, Heather Sawyer up to um, the meat factory where this all began, mm. and she brings it. They bring her there, and he ties her up, and he ties her up with her hands, like like across, like as like, kind of being crucified or whatever, like Jesus, hanging. Yeah. And for some reason, her shirt is just open, and like like her boobs are like so like there's so much cleavage, but not like full frontal nudity. How did they manage that? tape i don't know how the fuck they manage that it tape? just never crosses a certain line uh, i don't know it's just like that's the way it just flows i guess but it's bad. just like ah nice film nice yeah nice. um <laughs> so anyway she uh she's it's the reason for this i assume like in in the context of the film's like lore or whatever <laughs> logic yeah. is that like she has the s tattoo like fucking scar on her so leatherface needs to see that and that's this is how they combat it oh so but, yes but like they have to show her show him her tits but like <laughs> that's that's the problem like that's that's, that's just incest then isn't it like it's fucking leatherface then finds her Wait, he have to, oh leatherface finds her and he's about to chainsaw or whatever he's about to like because he wants to kill her because he doesn't know that she's his yeah. cousin but then he sees the s on her basically like her cleavage and he's like oh yeah you're my cousin whatever and then he like chills out whatever so then the mayor 
and the mayor's assistant, this guy that we never met before, uh, shows up and they kick the shit out of uh, Leatherface. Like they beat the fucking shit out of him. Aww. And uh, she escapes and then she comes back to save Leatherface and she fucking pitchforks the lower the mayor the mayor's assistant assistant and then frees Leatherface, throws him a chainsaw, and then the sheriff shows up and the sheriff at the start of the film, he was like put down by the mob he's like I can't do anything because there's 20 of his whatever and the leader of the mob was the mayor or whatever so he's just like he li- he lets uh, Leatherface kill him oh so the sheriff watches as he kills yes uh, Leatherface like saws off his hands uh, like clips his fucking Achilles and uh, basically gets him to fall into a fucking meat grinder and he goes in the legs first it's really slow it looks like complete shit it looks awful yeah. um but at that stage, Leatherface is, is an anti-hero. Yeah, for some reason. For some reason. You're supposed to sympathize with him. Yes. Yeah. And then it ends with Heather taking care of Leatherface in the house and happily ever after. That's that's not happy at all, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a kind of a... It's like a dark take on the tale. On the ta- on one of the darkest films of all time. But like, it makes no sense. Like, that makes no sense. Like Is it the Joker... Of uh, the Texas Chainsaw. It's Massacre so universe. bad. It's so fucking bad. <laughs> and like the thing about the time as well is like a key plot moment mm. is where a cop is like walking through the the house, seeing all the massacre that's gone on with the four people that have been murdered at this stage, and he's he's FaceTiming on his fucking iPhone to the to the mayor and the sheriff in 1993 mm. in this film's fucking timeline. He's using an iPhone to FaceTime. <laughs> My God. Unless unless Heather's 40 years old, you know. Fuck me. Unless everyone's <laughs> aged 40 years. That's, that's just, you know, one of those things. This was a... This, remember they had a Piranha 3D as well? And then they had Piranha 3 Double D. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing those trailers. Nice. <laughs> nice. This is a similar, similar time frame, wasn't it? Yeah, 2013. Pir- is that of an original film? Yeah, Piranha is an original film. Yeah, yeah. We should watch that. Someone, like, famous, I'm pretty sure, directed that. Did they? I'm pretty sure. Someone that did, like, a really famous horror film afterwards directed that. Yeah, Piranha. Yeah, I, cause I completely forgot about that film. Because I remember when I was when I was younger, I was, like... I was, like, part of the canon, you know? Like, mm. Friday Night... El- or, what the fuck? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street thing. Uh, Friday Thirteenth and all. Piranha was in there somewhere, like in my head. How I imagine those films was like, oh, the scariest films you could possibly yeah. imagine. You know, yeah, you need piranhas in a fucking pool. Yeah, just piranhas. But I never actually got around to watching. I've never heard anything about the it. who. No way. Steven Spielberg. Joe Joe Dante. Rogue. Joe Dante. Ah! Yes, Gremlins. Gremlins. Yes, I like Joe Dante. He's yeah. good. He directed the original Piranha. Ah, yeah. I think that. That might be good then. That could be good. When, when's that, the 80s? 1978. That could be good. Yeah. We should watch that. But yeah. That'd be a recommended film of the week. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But yeah, Texas Chainsaw 3D, the worst one. Easily, by a mile, the worst one. That's something else. Because there's only one good one, you know? So out of what? How many films is that now? Seven. Seven with this one? Yes. Seven altogether. One more. One more, yeah. Leatherface. And then another one this year. And then one more. I those reshoots of that new movie. Yeah, well, it'll be out eventually. <laughs> that film's going to be dog shit. Absolutely, yeah. 
based on what we read, it's going to be rubbish. Reshoots are just bad. Like a year before your film comes out and there's reshoots, things going to be butchered. Mm, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the, 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 they changed directors as well. Yeah, David Blue Garcia. Yeah. He's doing it or something. Some name, though. So that film's going to be bad. Can't wait for that. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. But you know what's not bad? Raising Arizona by the Coen Brothers. Ooh. Which is a film that I watched this week. Very good. It's on Disney+. Plus. I've never seen it before, but I've heard it's hilarious. I've heard it's, I've heard universally good things. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the things that people point to. When people go, Nicolas Cage is actually like not insane. Mm. Like he's actually a good actor. Well, he is insane, but he's a good actor as well. He's not bad. Uh, like People always point to Raising Arizona mm-hmm. and other stuff. But like Raising Arizona, I think, is like one of his... One of the first things he was ever in. And uh, I think it was 1987 that was made. So quite a long time ago. But it's... it's uh, this is after Blood Simple. Oh, uh, no idea. No idea. Mm. Uh, when was Blood Simple? No idea. It's the first Collins brother movie, though. Oh, this would be after then. Because mm. this was like... This is this is one of their first, but it wasn't their first. Mm. Um, Yeah, 87, you know. And it's really good. It's very, very good, you know. It's just like a zany kind of caper film, you know. Mm-hmm. And it uh, follows Nicolas Cage... His character's name is High. And uh, Holly Hunter's character, her name is Ed. Uh, Edwina, that's her name. Edwina. And then uh, John Goodman is in it, but he's completely unrecognizable. To me, anyway, because he has no like facial hair. Oh, really? So it looks, it looks, it looks weird, you know? Mm. I think his eyebrows are like blonde or something. Yeah. So like, I, I was like, who the fuck is that? It's <laughs> John Goodman. But uh, yeah, it's about like this convict, High, who's like a complete like piece of shit, like robs, robs stores and banks and stuff mm. like that. Um, and he's always like in and out of the clink and she's a cop and uh, over he is, he's like he fancies her and stuff and over time they get uh, he proves his love to her mm. and they're like so the, the odd couple and uh, they eventually get together but she can't conceive for some reason mm-hmm. but uh, sort of like you know their crazy love like fuels this like uh, all these crazy decisions that High makes and he's yeah. already crazy so like uh, they read about this thing where uh like the richest family in the state, which are what's called like um, the Arizonas. Like that's their second name. They changed their name. They're like chair salesmen or something, furniture yeah. salesmen. And uh, they've had five kids. And High and Ed are like, ah, they should. They don't need five kids, mm. you know. They'd be sort of like, they'd be, uh, you know, it's a lot of effort. And so they decide to steal one of the children, <laughs> which is like really like, you know, it's kind of a bit uncomfortable to watch. In some parts, because it's like <laughs> just stealing a child, yeah, and like um, bad implications. Because that's the whole, yeah. Because that's the that's basically like the child is the fucking you know the holy grail of the film, mm. and like the child swaps hands like multiple times. As always, putting like these you know really dangerous situations, um, but like it's always like a kind of a whimsical, like slapstick kind of vibe. So yeah, it's never in real danger. But same time, you know, Nicolas Cage throwing up a ladder onto some mad gaff climbing up and like walking into a nursery and like you know fucking kidnapping a child <laughs> it's, it, it was a bit weird but it does work it pays off imagine and, uh, if, imagine if they did this film and instead they got someone like Kevin Spacey or something to be in the lead yeah yeah that's the thing that's the thing like the mm. fact that there aren't really films like that shows that like you know there's some people that have that Nicolas Cage clearly doesn't have a vibe that they're like this guy couldn't pull this off in yeah. a film you know, because he does pull it off. It's just like sort of like the context of it when I was watching it. 
I don't know if the 80s were different, but like... <laughs> the 80s was a crazy time, man. It was man. just weird. Because <laughs> like when he gets into the nursery, it's a really comedic scene because he's like sweating and he doesn't... He's like, he's a, he's a reluctant father. So mm. and he's just co- sort of going along with her wishes because she's like mad for a baby. And uh, like originally, he's like, uh, they're, they're too much trouble. So he climbs down, goes, goes back to the car and she's like, she's like, you better come back with a baby. Otherwise, uh, we're through or something like that. And he goes back up and he grabs one of the babies. Uh, it's like the biggest baby, the fattest baby, the most healthy one. And, uh, prime meat <laughs> yeah prime meat yeah and uh, I can't remember his name but um, yeah basically that's that's their child and they bring it back to their their fucking hillbilly shack they're like a little mobile home and uh, they make a family basically and they're, they're like settling down and they're great parents you know and she's mm. a very loving mother it's like it's sweet um, in like a cartoonish kind of way um, but then like High's mates from prison which is John Goodman and some other guy they come to live in the gaff mm. which is you know bad news because they're like escaped convicts, and obviously Ed isn't too happy about that. She's like, "You're, you're escaped convicts. Get the fuck out of here!" But mm-hmm. I was like, "Ah, go on!" Like they're, they're the they're lads. They're the boys. They're the boys. Um, but High ends up like they go out for lunch with like his boss or something from the the work the work site, mm. and um, he's like he he puts forward this offer of like wife swapping, <laughs> and uh, he's actually a really funny character. I can't. He's like he's in other stuff as well. I can't remember his name though. But yeah, he's like he like he's like oh, I'll fuck your wife, you can fuck mine, and like uh, High gets really offended and punches mm. him, so he loses his job, and the boss comes back the next day, and he's like, I know about your dirty little secret in the in the in the in the caravan, mm. and uh, but all the while the convicts are listening, and High's like, oh, shh, 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 shh. don't don't say that, don't mm. say that. And when he goes back in, they have like a gun trained on him, and they're like, it's like this is gonna go down, mm. and they're kidnapping the baby. The baby's getting kidnapped again, mm. which is like. <laughs> And by like escaped convicts, which Being is all, which is also quite uncomfortable, you know. Um, and they're like, he's like strapped into this into a car, and uh, he falls off the roof at one point, like the baby. Mm. And it's like, it's just part of the whole caper and stuff like that. But it turns out the escaped convicts are also like re- like real sweethearts who, <laughs> who love children, and they're like they really get attached to the baby. Yeah. And, uh, John Goodman's sidekick is like sort of like the mother, mm. and John John Goodman is the is the father kind of character, and. Um, it's just, it's just real. It's funny. It's really mm. funny, and it's like really heartwarming. And obviously, things all sort of fall back neatly into place at the end, uh, in like sort of a fairy tale kind of style. Yeah. Like they, like they, they sort of, you know, book up, and they're like, "This is a bit crazy. Like we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> like stealing a child. We don't deserve this child." Mm. And so they bring it back to the rich family, put it back in, and. Um, for a second, I thought like because they get caught by the fucking the dad mm. as they're putting the baby back in the in the cot. Uh, for a second, I was gonna be like, I was thinking, uh, like he's gonna be like, oh, you can have the baby. Yeah, like, user sounded about it. At least he, at least he's owned up. Um, but he was like, no, nah, user fucking crazy. But like, yeah. you seem like good kids. Please get out of my house mm. and just leave. And it's, it's like it's it's just like Coen Brothers kind of, you know, airy fairy kind mm. of vibe, you know. Not a no country for all men kind of thing that you sort of know. Blood these days. Simple is like really in- is like <clears throat> intense as well. Yeah, yeah. Like Blood Simple is pretty good. Is it more no country for all men kind of thing? Yeah, kind. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. really serious kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is way more like lighthearted and it's funny and there's there's never a real sense of impending threat. Even mm. even the way it's directed, um, there's like a narration by High as well, and it's kind of like. It's just kind of like a fairy tale kind of thing, like real Americana, mm. and uh, great vibes off it. Amazing vibes, you know. Vibes are important. Yeah, I really, vibes are key. I really enjoyed it. It was like an hour and a half, and it's on Disney Plus. And it's like there's no excuse not to watch it. Mm. You know, it's a classic. Converters are good. 
They are good, yeah. Yeah, because I watched... Uh, I don't know if I talked about this in the podcast. I watched um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou recently. Yeah, yeah. That's a good movie, man. That's a very good movie. The George Clooney, is it? Yeah. Just a really solid movie. Um, and yeah, Blood yeah. Simple as well. I watched, that, I watched that this year. That's a good movie as well. I don't really like uh, No Country for All Men. I don't know what it is about. Like, even the book. I don't even like it. Oh, I love the book. And the I've film. seen the film once or twice. Like, at least once. But, like, I just... I don't know. Mm. Oh, I like them. I like uh, the book and the film a lot. But, you know, they're just... Because they're in their they're they're in their thirties when they directed, or when they started directing, like early thirties. Yeah. Like I think one of them was thirty when they directed Raising Arizona, so they're late twenties, doing, uh, Blood Simple, mm. I assume, which is pretty insane. That's McDormand's in the film. In Blood Simple. Yeah. She's in Raising Arizona as well. She's married to, the co- to one of the Coens. Is she? Yeah. That makes sense. She's married to the older one. Ah. Uh, Joel, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. She's married to him. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah, because then. What else? Th- what other films do they have? They got fucking that Netflix film, Ball- Ballad of. Uh, yeah, I'm never gonna watch that. I'm not gonna watch that either. But if they have um that film, Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like a meta film kind of thing. Yeah. So like they do like and burn after we uh, burn after reading, yeah. burn after reading. That's burn what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> burn after reading. Yeah. Um, that one is that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty weird. With the. Um, is that Brad Pitt? Yeah, man, he's yeah, he's fantastic. It's have you ever seen that film? No, man, you definitely watched that. Very good. Yeah, I've never seen Fargo that. as well. Forget about that one. Yeah, that's them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's like their most well-known movie, and I always forget about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do like Fargo though. I haven't seen it. In What's ages. that on? That's not on thing, is it? It used to be on Netflix. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that because I remember hearing about it for ages. I didn't watch it till. Um... Have ever seen it? Huh? Have you seen Fargo? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it till I started watching the series. I have on? I have it on DVD. That's how I've seen it. The film. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. We didn't have it. I was. It was never on TV. It was one of those things. Yeah, because it's really violent. Yeah, I can't even remember. Can't the remember guy gets thrown in the wood chipper at the end. Ah, yeah, yeah. The wood chipper scene is really famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only started watching when um, or only watched it when the series came out, and I loved the series for like two seasons. I only ever watched the first season. First season is probably the best one. First season, first season is very good. Very good. Very, 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 good, very yeah. good. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, very good. And Lauren Malville, that's a great character. Fucking <laughs> Martin Freeman. And all. Yeah, Martin Freeman, the Hobbit. <laughs> mm. He's good in it as well. Yeah, he's great. All the lads are in that, you know. He just plays Bilbo Baggins, but in the modern day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aliens come into it like in the third season, which just it's, it's it goes off the rails. Aliens are in. The third it's like season. Twin Peaks kind of vibe. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that is, like because it's very focused. Because Twin Peaks has a huge cast, obviously. Yeah, like Fargo is like three or four characters. I want to watch season two. Season two is good, from what I remember. I can't even remember who's in it, but I remember it was good. Mm. Um, I think that's the one with um, oh, who the fuck is in it? I can't remember. Ewan McGregor's the bl- in, in the, black the third la- one. Yeah, the black lad's the, the bad guy in the second one. I can't remember his name, and I can't remember the main character. But yeah, second one was good. I have to give it a goo. Yeah, give it a goo, lad. TV, man. TV's good. Aye. Good vibes with TV. Uh, how are you getting on Sopranos, actually? Uh, didn't watch any last week. Um, But, well, I can't remember what episode I watched last. But good vibes, man. Good, good vibes. vibes yeah. Good shit. Really good shit. I think I might start a new TV show. Yeah. Um, I think I might watch Six Feet Under. That's meant to be very good. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. HBO. Yeah. 
Or um Pushing Daisies. What's that? I think it's an HBO show as well. Apparently it's really good. I don't know, I want to watch something old, kind of not what, a new show. Nah, watch Hannibal. It's class. Yeah, maybe I should watch Hannibal. Hannibal's amazing. It's only three seasons. Mm. They're sort of long though. Yeah, they're over an hour, aren't they? They're 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 like forty minutes. Oh well then. Yeah, no, it's not. Mm. But they're like twenty six episodes a season. It was a it was a network show, which is what was insane about the, the show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you can skip a lot of them, I think. And I think twenty six episodes. That's so much. That's a network show. That was why it was so incredible. Because yeah. I was like, "What? How is this on? You know, network TV?" And I it was. To, I mean, I'll give it, I'll give it a go. It's good. Mads. Mads Mickelson. What a guy. I have to watch more of his stuff. Yeah. What's that film that came out another round? Another round. Yeah. You see that story about the director's daughter? No. She was going to be the main character in it. Um, and she died a week before filming. She was like 18. Whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. So it's it's film about like depression and drinking and stuff like that. And he cast his daughter in the in the main role. Mm. Mads Mikkelsen is like, you know, the other guy. And uh, she died a week before filming started. And so like the whole film took on like a completely different meaning. You know? Jesus. So for the entire thing, like he was just depressed as yeah. fuck for the entire filming. And like a lot, of, apparently a lot of the scenes like are actually like real mm. in terms of like people would just get locked on set because <laughs> about alcohol alcoholism or whatever. And uh, you know, because you know, there's no other like if your if your daughter died, you can get locked. You know, everyone yeah, get locked. It. You know, why not? Why not? But yeah, that's a, it's an interesting story, and I want to watch it. Well, I probably won't. Realistically, fair. I think that's fair enough, Mark. I don't think anyone's ever going to ask you to do that. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah, we go for a break. Yeah. Very good. Back from the break. Good vibes. Good nice vibes. Changes the trousers. Interacts the weapons now. Feeling comfy. Max Cozy. Max Cody. More like... Who's that? It's Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah. What a fucking transition. Oh, shit. Thor Ragnarok. Watched it this week. We've seen it before. Pretty good. Probably the best Marvel movie. Fuck all that shit. Want to talk about the fact that this movie kind of has these like very choice lines that are like anti-capitalist or the very very like least anti like imperialist, which is interesting because this film came out twenty eighteen. When did this film come out? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, twenty eighteen. So twenty eighteen. Um, you know, you have England becoming more right wing. You have France. You have. Uh, America having Trump or Trump in whatever becoming more nationalist, like f- kind of forgetting their evil past, or whatever. And that's basically what the main villain in this film is. Hel Hel Hela 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 Helga. Can't remember Hela Hela is her name. Kate Blanchett. Oh, um, yeah. Her whole thing is like basically that she was part of like uh, Odin. He's the king, isn't he? Odin. Yeah, Odin, yeah. Yeah, all this fucking Nordic. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins. He's the fucking king or whatever. She's the firstborn, and she was, like, um, basically his right-hand man, like, in this massacre, like, taking over the Nine Realms or whatever. But then he gave up, and he stopped. And he was like, oh, let's become peace-loving or whatever. And, like, let's ignore our brutal past, and let's kind of just forget about it and paint ourselves as, like, these glorious people who are come from peace and loving and are always good. Every, all the bad guys on the outer realms that want to take like want to take us on are, and are evil they're evil for doing that it's not because we've ever done anything to them first mm. they're the bad guys and it's like hmm empire empire you know she wants to embrace it and uh, return to that like colonialist past Thor 
wants to i don't really know what thor wants to do as king never really established he's like no whatever you're doing is bad so maybe he wants to move on and uh you know reconcile with the past and become a more understanding people afterwards don't really think so because it's marvel i doubt very much that's what he wants to do she's just like no no no, it's fine the way it was (laughs) yeah yeah let's go back to uh you know not a glorious past but about 10 years ago when things were okay yeah like let's return to odin's time let's go back to thor one you know yeah at the start of thor one that's that's me i'm an avenger i saved the world you guys don't give a shit about the world but i I saved that place Mm. um so like that side of it it's like it's like these choice moments where it's like there could have been something a line later on in the film is um like second body like uh there's like a revolution going on because he's evil and uh his assistant says to him like um oh the slaves are revolting he's like ah i don't like that word and she's like oh sorry the prisoners with jobs are revolting and uh it's like ah it's like the american industrial complex maybe maybe that's what's talking about i don't know maybe not but like it's weird that this Marvel movie, because as much as we talk about how Marvel movies are like CIA propaganda, they are, and there are moments where like Marvel do like touch very briefly, very like like a little like testing how cold the water is, you know, with their tippy toes, touch on to some like notions of like a bigger idea or whatever, but then they always just fall back in. It's just you know could have been could have been cool. Thor is very good though. I think Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is hilarious. It's a very good film. It's the last one I think I saw in cinemas, and it was great. It was a laugh a minute kind of thing, you know. Mm. Everyone loved it. It was it's the Taika funniest. Taika King. The funniest by far, by far, you know. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum's amazing in it. The Hulk. So well, and it's colorful and it's really well shot. Yeah, the Hulk is great in it as well. Hulk doesn't need his uh, his own film, you know. I like yeah. how they just sort of accepted that. Like they could have made a Hulk film and it could have made a billion quid. You know, because people just go see it no matter what. It's the, it's the Hulk, you know. It's the Hulk. He's had about ten films, and he's better in this because it's like it's like a it's like an extra, it's like a bonus package. You know, it's a bit of DLC yeah. on top of the uh, top of the Thor kind of. Because Thor is by far, oh no, he's not. But, but like the first two Thor films are not good. They're not. They're like they're not. They're, Thor two is terrible. Thor yeah. Thor one is like I've never seen. I've only seen the first Thor. Thor one's like five out of ten. It's, not, yeah. it's like it's not awful, but it's not. That, it's not good at all. And then the second Thor is just rubbish. Mm. It's just elves. It's just like, it's just space elves. And he's like, he has to beat the space elves. And that's it. It's, it's rubbish. Complete waste of time. Mm. But Thor 3 is great. You know, yeah. I love that. Thor Ragnarok is great. Yeah, I really liked it. But I wonder, like, do you think they could do a... Although I don't know what the state of, like, Hulk is by Endgame. But do you think they could do a TV show where it's, uh, it's Mark Ruffalo stars in it. And it's like a drama series where, like... Uh, Bruce Banner is trying to like combat the demons of the Hulk and then like slowly like over like because you have a really like it's a series you have like a season to like explore this this like conflict between them because most of the time in all the in all the Hulk movies it's like it doesn't last very long mm, yeah he just hulks out yeah I don't know you shouldn't give them any ideas you know they have enough TV shows yeah fuck them they have know? enough money plus the Hulk like that like the Hulk had a TV show you know, Lou Ferrigno, all the boys back yeah. in the day, way back, yeah, <laughs> yeah, back in the day. I don't know, it could work, you know, but like him battling his demons, it's been done before. So how could that work? Yeah. From like it could be done. Marvel could Marvel do it though? I doubt. No. <laughs> I doubt they could do that well. You know, they do it well. You know, to an extent with Netflix, where it'd be watchable, but like it wouldn't be you know something you'd watch. Yeah, you know, probably. 
Yeah, I don't know. Either way, no more TV shows. You know, they've had enough. They've done enough. You see the new Eternals trailer come out? No. Did you watch it? No. No? The Eternals. It's the new, the next phase of Marvel. Is it good or? It's the one with the, directed by your one from Nomadland. Oh. She's Chloe, doing one? Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Oh. It has your man Barry Keown in it from, from D1. You know your man looks funny from oh, killing yeah, a Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's in it. I didn't see the trailer or anything, though. Not did I. Who cares? <laughs> Someone <laughs> does, but not us. But yeah. What have you been watching? I also watched Walk Hard. Walk Hard. Walk Hard. The story of uh, Dewey Cox, mm. which is one of those films from like the late 2000s. You know, we look, that's been the theme the past like month or two. Yeah, it's 2000 movies. 2000s is comedy. Like, what's it about? What's the, you know, what's going on? Why, why is it like that? Mm. You know, and why has it changed? But, like, Dewey Cox is one of those, or Walk Hard is one of those films that, like, it was always, like, on Sky or something like mm-hmm. that. And I'd just see ads for it, and I just assumed it was, like, you know, like, uh, Ricky Bobby? Yeah. Like, the Talladega Nice thing? I think that film was rubbish. But, like, yeah. it's, like, it's, it's like... A I lot couldn't of, watch that. Yeah, a lot I've watched them before. Yeah, a lot of Will Ferrell films are, like, you know, they're, like, you know, every few minutes. But, like, a lot of them are just, like, a lot of misses, mm-hmm. and then a few hits. Walk Hard, I thought, was the same kind of thing. But it's actually one of the funniest films I've seen from that era, like yeah. by far. It's actually really good, and you should watch it because it's really you should. good. Okay, you know, it's 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 funny. It's very funny. Where'd you watch this? Um, I just watched it on one of the yeah, one, one of the basic sites, you know, one of the go tos. But yeah, it's like your man um, John C. Riley. Mm-hmm. He's playing. It's like a parody of uh, of musical biopics, specifically Walk the Line uh, about Johnny Cash. <laughs> And that was in like 2005, I think, mm-hmm. with uh, Joaquin Phoenix as, as Johnny Cash. He won an Oscar. Oh, no, he got nominated for it. Yeah, that was huge back in the day. Mm. Won loads of Oscars. But like, um, obviously, it's a story about Johnny Cash. And he's like, a, you know, a very colorful, colorful character. And his career spanned decades, like mm. literally from the, the 50s, like Elvis era up to like, you know, Hurt, 2000, yeah. 2002 or 2003. That's like an insane period yeah, of time. 50 years. But they condensed his life. <laughs> into this like two hour film yeah with like a three act structure and like beat by beat by beat and it's all very convenient and all places really really neatly into into every beat mm-hmm. and like the walk hard is basically like that's just every biopic though yeah that's the thing a walk hard has a go with that basically because mm-hmm. it's a it's story of dewey cox which is just like like the whole point of the film is they say like you know the way they'll have like the, i think the main sort of uh like analogous scene in the between two films is uh you know that have you seen walk the line no there's a there's a scene in it where uh, johnny cash is he's in the studio and he's like auditioning for like a, a record deal or something like that and uh he's he plays some fucking some standard or whatever some standard country tune and like you know what we want yeah yeah it's like and then he plays a good tune yeah and uh, the producer is like he has this big spiel where he's like uh if you were if you were dying in the gutter and uh this is your last song like this is what you wanted people to to remember you by. What would you play? Mm. And he plays "Walk the Line." Like it's supposed to be like the first time you ever played it. And like Dewey Cox, they have the exact same scene, but mm. it's like uh, they like really ham it up. And it's talking about like if you if you were dying and on your deathbed and you wanted people to remember you by this, uh, I don't think this is going to happen. Mm. And you you wanted to play this song in front of people you've never met. Mm. The song that you, that isn't yeah you haven't even written properly, <laughs> and that it's only uh, a title in your head. I don't think it's going to happen, but if you want to play that, you could. <laughs> yeah. And then he's, he just, I don't know where he just started singing Walk, Walk Hard, mm-hmm. like the title song. And uh, 
all the session musicians who he's never met suddenly start playing along and stuff. It's just <laughs> yeah. like stuff like that. Yeah. Where they just say what each scene means, what each beat means and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh it's it's done really, really well. Yeah. And uh it parodies all these like all the different stories of uh all the like mythical musicians of uh of the era, like Johnny Cash, the Beatles, Brian Wilson sort of yeah. stuff as well. And they've the music is actually really good as well. Mm-hmm. Like they have the parody songs are amazing. Each each like uh like section of the film sort of plays up to a different archetype. Mm-hmm. Like the first one is Elvis or like sort of a Buddy Holly kind of character where he gets up on stage and it's just John C. Riley at like this sort of like middle school dance, but he's like he's supposed to be thirteen years old. Yeah, but he's like a thirty year old. Yeah, yeah, That's but he's just John C. Riley. Yeah. He's just like surrounded by a band of, you know, little kids. And he starts uh starts playing this song, it's like this might be a little bit racy, but uh here we go. And it's just called uh Take My Hand and it's about holding hands in the park mm-hmm. and everyone just goes crazy and starts like ripping <laughs> open, open their bras. And the the priests go. They're like, "This is the devil's music." Yeah. Like, Don't you know we know what you you mean by take my hand? You know who has hands? The devil. You know, it's just stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, again. And uh, there's like there's a sort of a, an homage to to Elvis, where he's like a he's like a cleaner in a like sort of a a jazz club, mm-hmm. and the uh, and he gets up uh, when the, the like the house singer. Like he he breaks his hand and then he has laryngitis at the same time. It's like it's like no one else can 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 uh, fill this man's shoes. And Dewey Cox steps up, and it happens that uh, the record producers are are there that night, mm-hmm. so they hire him instead of the uh, <laughs> the black singer who's, yeah. who was sick for one night or whatever like that. And uh, it goes goes on and on goes goes through these like different phases of uh, of music like through the the forties, fifties, sixties, into the seventies. In the sixties, he has a he has a phase where he. Uh, he takes acid and stuff. He drops acid with the Beatles. And the Beatles are played by Jack Black, Justin Long. Oh, that's this that's film. It. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Jack Black, Justin Long, uh, Jason Schwartzman, and Paul Rudd. They're perfectly cast. Yeah, well. yeah. And they just, like, Paul Rudd looks at the camera at yeah. one point. He's like, I can only imagine what you mean by that, mm. Dewey. You know, it's just like a Liverpoolly accent. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hilarious. Every, like, every line, every scene in the film has a quotable line. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And uh, even, like, the sort of, the story, like Dewey's story, like underneath it is is like it's just hilarious as well because the whole thing is he's like he's this just really conventional kind of uh, pop star character mm-hmm. and his his like his inner trauma that like sort of drives his creative his creative powers is a uh, it's shown in like the first scene the first it's a uh, during his childhood and he's playing with his uh, his brother in a barn and they're, <laughs> they they start like playing with machetes. And uh, the sheath comes off one of the machetes, and he slices his brother in half. And uh, his brother's just sitting there, like completely halved, like mm-hmm. on the on the floor of the barn. And like, that's that comes back to like haunt him mentally, and uh, through his music, like his Brian Wilson phase is where he like gets uh, this massive orchestra into a room, and he has like didgeridoos and like goats bleeding into microphones, and, uh, <laughs> and like someone. Uh, He's recording the birth of one of his children and stuff like that. But the whole song is about being cut in, cut in half, mm-hmm. and his bandmates don't get it. And uh, it's actually the song itself, "Black Sheep," was actually uh, written and produced by the guy who worked with Brian Wilson at the time. So That's it's actually guess. it's actually not a bad song yeah. either, you know. And John C. Riley is actually a good he's a good singer, and uh, he's a good showman, you know. It's just it's it's so self conscious in the way that like it basically destroys the genre it's parodying. Yeah, like this this it, it kind of bombed at the time. Like, uh, I think it didn't even make back half its budget, but n- nothing like 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 a Walk the Line kind of film or 
you remember Ray? Yeah. With uh, Jamie Foxx? Nothing like that kind of film that Dewey Cox parodies was made until like Bohemian Raps- Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Like no one had a, had a go at it because they're you know kind of afraid of what would happen because it just so sort of perfectly encapsulated the conventions. Why so did this come out? Two thousand seven. I think Love and Mercy came out after that. Yeah. Oh no, Love and Mercy is very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's but Love and Mercy is a different take on that <coughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's the thing because yeah. you have after that you have after Walk Hard you have. Uh, I'm not there, which is remember the Dylan biopic with Kate mm. Blanchett. Has yeah, like they have to try playing, something. Yeah, different people playing Bob Dylan to represent his like his kind of you know different phases. Yeah, different phases of his life of his career. And you have uh, there was a James Brown biopic Get On Up, which is also had a sort of interesting take on his career. Mm. And you have Love and Mercy, which was uh, also an interesting take. You have two different Brian Wilsons, and it's sort of driven by the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack's very very well produced and stuff you like that. You got Nowhere Boy. Yeah, Nowhere Boy. Which doesn't well. focus on the Beatles at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, this is John Lennon when he's younger. Yeah, and it doesn't try to encapsulate the entire like yeah. the span of their career into one kind of simple little three act structure, yeah. like like Walk the Line Array. Um, so like after Walk Hard, they had to to approach a musical biopic. You have to do something interesting. With yeah, it. do and something it, different. And it made cinema. It made that genre way better mm-hmm. for it. You know, uh, it's one of those films that like like everyone shits on those kind of. Like the sort of parody films that came out around then, like like a scary movie mm. and like epic movie. And a lot of those films were bad, but like the kind of like the ethic of it, like sort of the the uh, the intention, like parody itself. Yeah, the sort of uh, spirit of the, all those parody films, the the satire was actually like it it, it was a good thing for mm-hmm. for like uh, for cinema. Yeah, for, for storytelling. Yeah, yeah, because it it's sort of uh, it's like Berthold Brecht, you know. Yeah, it sort of exposes. Uh, makes you hyper aware yeah it makes you hyper aware of like the conventions and the structure of of the films that you're watching not just the film that you're watching currently but also everything around it mm-hmm. so like it actually it was it's a really interesting kind of phenomenon yeah. at the time you know um but it's also just a really good it's a really funny film like yeah it's hilarious i thought yeah, that's the main thing i thought that, it was hilarious man, this film sounds amazing yeah man you should watch it it's it's got everything you know it's got it's got a laugh a minute, you know. Mm. There are so many films at that time that did that as well. Like there's a, a specifically horror, and like the, I wouldn't even include epic movies and stuff like that, man. That was just like reference. They're literally just pop culture references. They're not trying to deconstruct like the genre, like scary movie did or anything like that. Uh, anything yeah. like that, you know. Yeah, we have like, um, like Cabin in the Woods and stuff like that, or even um, yeah, Cabin in the Woods. People really like that movie, but Cabin in the Woods is like. Very specific in what it is parroting, like yeah, just the cabin yeah. in the woods genre or whatever. But it, ha- it still has the whole thing with the, like the scientists are trying to find yeah uh, the archetypes of horror, like the whore, the oh, virgin, yeah. and like the jock and stuff like that. So it's like it's really leaning into the archetypes and like the structure of the genre itself, rather than just kind of you know going straight for a uh, oh, excuse me like a specifically cabin in the woods kind of film. Yeah, even some like white chicks, you know, uh, which is obviously not a great film. But, I can't remember the film at all. Yeah, but it's like a meme kind of film. But at the same time, it does play, you know, the whole thing. They're doing whiteface. Yeah. And, like, they have to... It's just... It's, like, a really, really basic, really, like, dumb kind of way uh, to just, like, critique something that mm-hmm. itself is so dumb that yeah. the critique actually works. Yeah. You know, or something that's so, like, egregious, you know? It's just... Man, you should just watch Walk Hard. Like, I will. I can't even... Uh, I want to quote loads of lines, but like, there's just too many, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. No, I have to give it a go. Great music. Great yeah, the two thousands started to get good towards the end. That's the thing. That's the theory, anyway. Yeah. You know? 
Because then you start looking at Tropic Thunder. Recommended film of the Our week. Recommended film of the week. Yes. And the thing is, the thing with Tropic Thunder is, everyone says, you could never make this today. Everyone says that. Because yeah. of the blackface thing. But the thing is, you can't make this today because this destroyed everything that came before. This mm-hmm. basically, this did a walk hard on, you know, the comedy genre sort of, you know, entirely. Maybe Hollywood itself, you, yeah. know, you know, sort of the self-awareness of it. Like, it, it, it made sure that you couldn't, like, I don't know, maybe it's like an overstatement, but you, you know, comedy kind of changed in Hollywood after that period, mm. you know? Oh, you, yeah. You like, could, that you, period is different. Yeah. You couldn't make a film after Tropic Thunder that could have been parodied by Tropic Thunder, you know? Mm. Like, something like, like, literally the first sequence of the film, all the trailers, mm-hmm. like, those were films, those were based on films that were actually made and they were, that were very popular and that made millions mm-hmm. and millions were poured into them, like, all through the early th- 2000s. You can never make a film like that ever again, really, because... Oh, they made Green Book and that one on Oscar. But that was around the yeah, same... Yeah, yeah. But that was also around the same time as Bohemian Rhapsody came back. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's just like a kind of cultural amnesia after, after like, 10 years, maybe. But, like, there's a there's something in there that... Um, there was, like, some kind of breakthrough of self-awareness mm-hmm. where these films brought... Post-parody. It, yeah, these films brought it to the fore and, like, sort of... Even the consumer was aware of what was happening at that stage, mm-hmm. and you, you, like the, the standards went up because it was it was reflecting on itself, and there was some kind of you know critical shift. thought about it. Yeah, some kind of paradigm shift mm-hmm. in the way films were made, the way they were thought about. Plus, it's really funny. It's a really funny film. I love *Tropic Thunder*. I think it's so funny. It is. It's hilarious. I think it's a very funny film. Yeah, and like we were talking about the method acting shit like a while ago. That's like critique to a fucking. To the point where you're just like, yeah, method acting is just bullshit. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. Like it's just a lot of bollocks. Yeah, because like the inspiration for the film was was like born out of that, mm-hmm. out of uh, Ben Stiller's experience. Uh, I can't remember which film it was on, but like like in the film, uh, Jay Baruchel's character, he mentions a boot camp that only he went to. Like all the other stars didn't go to. But mm-hmm. like that's what they actually do with war films in Hollywood. Yeah. Like they send the actors. I think it was Empire of the Sun. Yeah, yeah, Empire of the Sun, yeah. They send the actors to, to boot camps so they know how to, like, hold a firearm or, like, how to move about in, like, a tactical formation or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, Stiller was, like, uh, struck by how people took it too seriously and stuff mm-hmm. like that. How they contract, like, I think there was one example he gave. I don't know if it was true, but, like, someone contracted PTSD from sort of imagining what had happened. Yeah. from Like, something they didn't experience, but they still got PTSD off it. Yeah. Which is referenced in a... Uh, the featurette, one of the one of the special features, Reign of Madness, where uh, it's a, an addition onto the onto the Tropic Thunder DVD, where it follows uh, Kirk Lazarus as Osiris mm-hmm. getting into character at home, yeah, with like his fake wife and his fake children. <laughs> Did you ever see that? No, the one where he's like uh, he puts his son in the bathtub and starts like drawing like random lines on it and like draw like exercising his. Like, he's doing exorcisms and yeah. stuff like that. Did you ever see that? No. Man, watch that. Yeah. Watch Reign of Madness. It was, it's, like, presented by Justin Theroux. What the fuck, who, man? <laughs> who, who, who wrote this film. Yeah. And uh, it's narrated by uh, Jan Jürgen, who is a parody of Werner Herzog. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, Kirk Lazarus has lost the meaning of who he is at this stage. Uh, it's just, like, describing, like, the exorcisms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like how he's lost himself in the character. And he has, like, arguments with his... A woman who's paid to be his wife, That's but it's not so actually his wife, weird. and his sons, <laughs> and he's like, uh, he's doing like tactical maneuvers in the bushes, mm-hmm. 
and uh, it's it's hilarious. But it's 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 a parody that they did for the fun of it to sort of show how like how how much Kirk Lazarus the character mm-hmm. who Robert Downey Jr. is playing got into his role. The fact that he played he was method acting, you know, at home for a film that he was acting in, which doesn't even exist yeah. because it's Robert Downey Jr. in a special feature right on the DVD. Yeah, because it's like. It's so layered deep that you can't get out of that. Yeah, know? there's like too many layers. <laughs> no, yeah, I know what you mean because like, the, like the the level of method acting they go into, like where like uh, the Ben Stiller character being like, he's like a fucking uh, apocalypse now, um, Brando by the end of the film, and he's like, you're just like you don't you're you're just a guy who's playing a dude who's playing a guy that thinks he's someone else. Yeah, and it's yeah. Like, no, I'm <laughs> the man who does the thing that does that. like it just keeps yeah. going on like that. Yeah. And it's like, who are you? and then it just ends with like, are you the dude though? And then it's like, fucking Kirk Lazarus just like loses it. He's like, whoa, who the fuck am I? Yeah. I've been playing these characters so much, but it's just like such a ridiculous piss take on method acting, like. Especially like someone like Jared Leto or like fucking Jim Carrey on uh, Man on the Moon or the fuck that thing is called. Like just being abusive, narcissistic pieces of shit. But like excusing that horrible behavior by being like, I'm method acting. I can do what I want. It's like, Mm. you're not that person. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) And that's even ramped up to the point where he's, you know, he's in blackface and he's like, he's like, there's a moment where um what's his name the fucking the rapper character what's his name Al Pacino Yeah Al Pacino where he um he's like, <laughs> like uh, Ben Stiller like turns or whatever the fuck his name is like turns and Tug says like Speedman. Tug Speedman and turns around and he's like uh you people just want to stand here or whatever <laughs> and Kirk Lazarus is like what do you mean you people <laughs> yeah. and then Al Pacino's like what do you mean you people yeah. <laughs> um so he's just going super offensive with like his caricature or like his idea of a Vietnam like black general would be and it's super racist and the even the fact that itself that Robbie Downey Jr. is actually doing blackface as well. Yeah. yeah. Like there's just so <laughs> much like it's, there's too many layers to it. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like it's bulletproof. It's like fucking chainmail, you know. There's so many layers that you can't get through it, mm. you know. Because like this is like this is the 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 platform that all comedy is based on, you know. It sort of like it leveled the playing field. I think. I think this was a, a seismic event mm. in comedy in the two thousands, in the late two thousands. <laughs> this changed Hollywood comedy <laughs> permanently. I think, you know. Yeah, because something like, about it. Like genre films aren't really a thing in the twenty. 20- well, I guess like romantic comedies still are, but like, like war films like that, they're not really a thing anymore. Yeah, because you can't. You Until, can, you, you can't like, do a v- American Sniper and shit like that. Yeah, you can't do something like that now because there's just, like, there's there's an automatic reference back to Kirk Lazarus. Mm. And he, like, like the film is good, but it's, like, um, Kirk La- without Take Robert Downey Jr. out of it, and, like, the film is, like... Oh, it's a different film. It's a very, very different film, you know? I think he really holds it together. Mm. Um, but, like, it's, that's, that's, like, a, a generation-defining performance from Robert Downey Jr. Man, him and Tom Cruise, probably the best performances yeah. of their life. Oh, my God. Holy yeah. shit, Tom Cruise is amazing. Insane. Completely unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I know, I remember watching this film when I was younger and, like, liking it and kind of finding it kind of funny. Mm. Then when I was, like, older again, because this film came out in 2008. 2008, yeah. Like, I was nine when this film came out. I think I saw it when I was 10. Maybe it was 11. Um, and I watched it. And I, th- I, was, I found some bits of a funny, but I was way too young to understand 
what the fuck, like what it was doing. Mm. Um, and then when I was older, I watched it again. I was like, this is gas. And then watching it again last night, I was like, there's so, like, the way that the film just takes the piss out of, like, method acting and Hollywood as a whole. Like, the fucking um, Steve Coogan, once again, coming back in with another comedy movie that we recommended. Yeah. First shot up with the other guys. Steve um, Coogan, yeah. He's great in this. He's like just an indie. He's like an indie director that's being pushed and pressured by these major corporations, these big producers, to make a certain kind of film that he's not able to make. Yeah. And there's been so many examples of that throughout, like throughout cinema, or whatever. But especially now during like the Disney era, or not even Disney, fucking um, Justice League, or like Edgar Wright being like taken off. Ant Man and stuff like that, because it doesn't follow the line of like what they want to make or whatever. Mm. Like an indie director being pu- pushed and pulled by corporations or whatever. Yeah, it's in this movie, and Steve Coogan is like, "Well, can't make the movie that I needed to make, so we're just going to do this batshit insane idea, this crazy different take or whatever." Mm. And he, pl- he literally explodes because of it. Yeah, it blows up in his face. Yeah, it's actually based on Richard Stanley from uh, the Island of Doctor Moreau. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. So yeah. That, that, that is that case. Yeah, going back into the jungle, you know? Yeah. Trying to film it and all. But, uh, yeah, it, like, really pulls the curtain back on uh, on all Hollywood. Mm. Like, it's, it's it's it can only do that because the cast is ridiculous. Like, the cast, it's like an ensemble cast. Like, the, the most ensemble cast you but can like, get. To the point where just like, how, like, how the fuck is it yous making this joke? Like, Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr., yeah, Jack yeah. Black, like... But, like, like, think about, like, those actors like they're not they don't really have films or if they have made films like that it's like they're you know they know about it or even like i am sam like that's that's what simple jack is based on sean penn sean penn is in this film you know like all the all the all the films in this movie yeah he's 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 at the the award ceremony at the end didn't know that yeah that's guys they're all like every every film that's parodied like directly or mentioned in the film like one of the actors is in like the the oscar crowd Mm. at the end but like it's it's like so like self con or self aware, like um, like even the fact that uh, your man Fourleaf is a complete fraud. Yeah, complete fraud, but no one gives a shit. Yeah, it's like walk hard. Everything it like it reveals the fraud in every single frame, but like every frame relates to uh, you know wider kind of conventions mm-hmm. and the structures of the industry, you know, in like a, a broader sense. You know, like like Fourleaf has never been outside the United States. Yeah, but he's like. He's the fucking. He's the one that's getting a movie made about him. Yeah, his his story is what the movie is based on, mm-hmm. and like he goes out into like he meets up with Steve Coogan on the beach. He's like, "Let's go into the fucking jungle. We got to make this film the right way, otherwise I might not get like a fucking story credit, or mm-hmm. whatever." And they go into the jungle, and Four Leaf has no idea what's out there. Yeah, he's, like, he's just an, like a a wannabe, an innocent American. He doesn't know what's in that. He can't even imagine that there's anything happening in that jungle. Mm-hmm. Like the minute they go in, obviously there's people in that jungle, and like yeah. something's happening. But they don't even imagine that. Like they just yeah. have they have mines and like explosive set, and uh, they're just hoping for the best. And they land st- and straight away, Steve Coogan gets blown up by mm. a mine. But like uh, Fourleaf is just like blown away by it. It's like, mm. how is this? How could this happen? Yeah. Which is like, I don't know. I think it relates back to Hollywood sort of uh, stiffs in general, like just sheltered Americans who are just uh, you know building this facade. And like if they ever go out, if they're ever met by the brutal reality of what. You know, is behind the facade. They're just gonna, you know, get blown up or something like that's that. A, that's you a, know, that's a very good take. It's all just, it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, you know? that's a very good take. They've no hooks for hands either. Yeah, 
Yeah, because he's just imagining what it would what what it would be like to face the reality or the truth of what you're trying to depict, and you get blown up in your face, and you're completely out of your depth, and you're not able to handle it. Yeah, and that is like, like that is basically like the like one of the messages about like how simple Jack is. It's like you wouldn't you can never imagine what that is, and like they t- they kind of poke fun at like the fact that like like Forrest Gump and. Uh, What's the other one? Rain Man. Had they yeah. had those actors won Oscars because they weren't like there's, I, I, I like the only way to describe it is the way that the film describes, it, and I don't want to I don't want to describe it the way that the <laughs> film describes it because like I don't like the way that the film you know does that. But um, the fact that like Forrest Gump or uh, Rain Man, like Forrest Gump is like fast and Rain Man's really smart, so there's something for the academy to latch on to to like be like oh yeah see like it's kind of like a eugenics they're like one of us yeah it's kind of like a eugenics thing or nearly like oh yeah this, this is worth our while kind of shit mm. um yeah whereas i am sam is just you can't go you can't go full on yeah or else yeah <laughs> it's a, no one can relate to it yeah, or whatever no yeah or it's, it's just embarrassing it's like yeah. it's like uh if you're too sincere about it no one will latch on to it you know which is the thing about it like this the film isn't really ironic which is there's like a there's like something to say about like, uh, like the difference between a parody and like irony, mm-hmm. something that's just sort of being sarcastic, like a, like a one off joke. Like there's loads of memes that came out of this film. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows, everyone knows different lines and stuff like that. And there's loads of quotes, um, but like it's more about the whole, like like satire and sort of the parodies that came out of the two thousands kind of you know canon. Uh, they're all films. They're all feature length films. And they're all reflecting on genres, like entire structures. They're mm-hmm. they're like whole whole narratives in themselves that are talking about wider wider kind of phenomenon. You know, it's not just like a one off kind of thing. It's 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 being sincere in its approach to the subject. You know, yeah. Which is like the opposite of how something like the Academy would approach would approach a you know one off film each year. It's like oh, I am Sam. You know, yeah. you know whatever about being a bad film. He's like he was too into the role. He was too like you know uh, innocent about it or mm-hmm. whatever. Like you have to have some kind of, uh, you know, you have to play into the role of the actor. You have to be, you have to fit into this mold or else it's not going to work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the film, the film, uh, it's just it's probably the most self-aware thing that's come out of Hollywood in, uh, I don't know how long, Blazing Saddles or something like that. Yeah, you know? Blazing Saddles, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. Like Which this, is this, another shift in comedy. Yeah, this is the film like Borat wanted to be, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Like it's, yeah. it's re- it reveals something in every scene, um, you know, and the fact that, like it, it could only be made by these people as well. Yeah. Like Cruz <clears throat> and Stiller, all the boys, and fair play to them for having to go at it. You know. Yeah, they they made a funny movie. They did. They made a very funny movie. They did. S- some great lines in it. Aye. But just Tom Cruise in it, like Tom Cruise the is hand. just ridiculous. He's so fucking funny. Did this yeah. thing get nominated for anything? Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for best actor. That's so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. That in that in and of itself, just like proves the point of the entire film basically yeah that's the thing yeah because even like going back to like four leaf as the fraud or whatever even the characters that go into the jungle they only survive to the extent that they can reproduce their own yeah. fraudulence you know yeah. they, they can act as they've seen yeah. people act in war movies and stuff like that yeah and that's how they survive and that's because the, the the locals are like these people are fucking insane no mm. one acts like that in real life yeah, they, they must be insane yeah yeah so they, like that bit where like um 
Ben Stiller like picks up the head of Steve Coogan. Yeah, and starts licking it. And yeah. he starts licking it, and they're like, "These men, fe- like, <laughs> show no fear against death. They don't care." Yeah, but they're just aping what they've seen on TV. Yeah. you know, and like, they think it's all fake. Yeah, yeah, like, that's it's like the the American quagmire or yeah. whatever. You know, it's it's all hyper reality. And then when they're actually met with the the fact that this is all completely real, like it all gets really. I think that's more just like sort of the action aspect of it. Like they have to get out of it, mm. but the escape is completely insane and like yeah. miraculous. It doesn't make any sense really. Yeah, he's uh, like, and even like when Robert Downey like shows the two guns, he's like, "I'm a landmine, motherfucker!" And it's like, "Like what? What are you yeah. doing? Get the fuck!" <laughs> yeah. And like the and none the, of them shoot. Either. None of them shoot. Yeah. Like but they all shoot blanks. Mm. They never. They can never actually like shoot at them, or whatever. But somehow they are never ever hit with bullets that are shot at them, even though they are moving towards the bullets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That shit happens all the fucking time in the movie. But it's just it's it's like the hyper reality that just that you're talking about, where like even the fact that they're able to go through this thing alive, alive or whatever, is ironic in and of itself. Mm. And the film is aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. And even the end is like almost talking about like the recuperative power of Hollywood and mm. like media, American media, American uh, culture, industries, whatever you want to say. And they're like this. This film was a complete failure, and it was a disaster. And obviously, many people died during the filming of it. I'm mm-hmm. sure at some point, it was complete, complete fuck up. But their, their fuck up is turned into a success mm-hmm. somehow. You know, just by the fact that they messed up, makes it a good film. You yeah, know? like there, it's not any of the footage really that they captured. It's more the story. The fact mm-hmm. that they went in and fucked shit up. It doesn't matter about the people that actually live there or the the effects or like the PTSD or the actual war that mm-hmm. was happening or what it's based on, it's all about the fact that they had this cool story that can go on and they can make that into a film. Like yeah. The film of a film of a film or of a book, you know? Yeah, because that's what... Well, then then the film strips it back at the end where mm. the film that we've watched is the ma- is is the story of the making of yeah, yeah. the <laughs> book, Tropic Thunder. Because yeah, that yeah. film... Because the film that we've after watched is a film based on what actually happened to that's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a level of like <laughs> meta where you're just like I can't really grasp like what this is now yeah. like it's so layered it's, it's, great. <laughs> it's great you know it's just great it's too much nearly it's like really hard to like grasp I don't think that could be wrong as well I don't know I don't know it's how do you re- what does it mean yeah, what, what, does, what does what the does ending mean <laughs> Ben Stiller yeah. <laughs> the, the David Lynch of room. fucking yeah. comedy yeah he's class you know like fair play to him for having to go mm. You know, by God, does he have a go? He really has a go. You know, because like, like these lads are actual like Hollywood royalty. You know, Didn't, fucking Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, Iron Man. The yeah, the head of the biggest, like easily the biggest film franchise in the last fifty years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like since Star Wars, I'd say. Yeah, and then his dad is like a, so forty years was a whatever. massive was a massive uh, a massive guy. Mm-hmm. Ben Stiller's dad was a massive guy. Like these grew up with this. With this Bill Hader's of, SNL. Tom yeah. Cruise is Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, like they grew up with. You have Matthew McConaughey, who's going to turn into Matthew McConaughey deserves a a little <laughs> shout out because he was amazing in this film. Mm. It was originally supposed to be Owen Wilson. I think Owen Wilson would have sort of wouldn't have been great. Wouldn't have been as good as Matthew McConaughey. Matthew I think he's amazing in this. Yeah, you know, I think he's he really pulls it off. Him, the son, mm. like that's just it's one of those throwaway <clears throat> things. Yeah, Walker is also full of that stuff. It's just like 
stuff that they didn't need to put in, but they put it in anyway, and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Regardless, you know, it's like at least you, at least you got to, <laughs> yeah, at least you got to choose yours. He just looks <laughs> at a picture of his son, and he looks so sad. It's just <laughs> yeah, that kid gets a fucking credit at the end as well. And yeah. I was like, who the fuck is that? I was like, oh, it's his kid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, but yeah, yeah, these lads grew up in the system, surrounded by all this, you know, this fakery, this fraudulence. You know, and then they made a film. It's like a, it's like a monument to this. It, this is like the capstone on the 2000s, mm-hmm. like that that whole kind of uh, lineage of film, of comedy. Anyway, I think it's it's a momentous. This was a seismic shift in uh, in cinema. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, it's a classic, absolute classic. It is a classic. Yeah, do, what do you prefer, this or uh, Walkard? Ah, oh, I prefer it. Uh, Tropic Thunder. I watched. I've watched and enjoyed Tropic Thunder, way too much. You know. Mm. Uh, I've only. I've only watched Walk Hard like properly. Is that once. what? That be one of your favorite films? What Tropic Thunder? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tra- Walk Hard is good though. Like I remember wa- I watched that like, I watched it before. I th- I thought it was really really funny, but I watched it again the other day. I was just like, wow. <laughs> this, this is also really. Yeah. Fun. It's even funnier than I remember. Yeah. But uh, they, that's the thing with Tropic Thunder as well for me. I think Tropic like there's just something about it where like. It just goes in and out of these like weird subjects because this thing got like I was looking at the Wikipedia page. This thing got a lot of controversy over like its depiction of like people with um, uh, mental disabilities and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, but it's making fun of of that thing. Yeah. But it, but that's the thing where like you're making fun of it, but in doing so, you're doing that in and of itself. Yeah. So like, what it ends up is like. With some kids or whatever watching it, they're not going to pick up on the on the parody. They're just going to pick up on the actual figure itself of Simple Jack and then use that. Yeah, it's just it's the same thing as Borat, you know. Mm. But Sasha Baron Cohen maintains still that Borat was always meant to be that way. But you like you can easily like an like a you know uh, an adult can watch Borat and be mm. like and not read that at all. Yeah. Whereas in Tropic Thunder it's like made extremely clear. Yeah. You know, that's the whole point of the film really. That's like, it's making it's like lampooning the actors. Mm-hmm. You know for doing that, yeah. yeah. it's all at the expense of the actors. Yeah, I agree though. I agree yeah. with that. Like Yeah, that's what that's how I'd read it, you know. Uh, but yeah, obviously a lot of the uh, awareness I had of it when I was younger was like mostly just you're like, oh you know, mm. quoting, you know, stupid lines from it and stuff like that. Which is the thing I was saying earlier. Like it's like the isolated lines themselves don't mean much mm. it's the whole thing has to the whole thing is the point really you know you yeah. have to watch the whole thing and sort of you know see what's going on the whole critique of a of a, a system you know yeah of a structure yeah because it is just it is the ultimate parody of hollywood of hollywood Aye. and it's great for it and i love it it's, it's yeah. one of my favorite comedies yeah i'm a big fan good shit <sighs> yeah. good shit yeah we'll go for a quick break before christmas aye, aye. And now on to the listener questions. If you have a question, Woo! hot take, opinion, feedback, whatever, you can hit us up on Instagram or Twitter at Paro underscore pod or the Gmail, the at gmail.com. Our business email. Hit yeah. us up. Any sponsorships, you know, Squarespace. Hit Criterion. us up. Criterion. Hit us up. Whatever. You know, we'll take you. We'll take your free DVDs. Mm. Yeah. Our first question is coming in from Connor. He's saying, uh, opinions on the lack of memorable comedy films over the past five or so years. Um, Yeah, as soon as he said that, I was like, I can't think of one. Neither can I. Last five years, so from 2016 on. I don't know. Like, I, I can't remember a film that's really made me 
you know, proper like that's surprised me, I suppose. You know, like laughter mm. is like being surprised. That's like sort of the essence of comedy, isn't it? You know. Yeah. A lot of fil- films don't surprise that much these days. No, like I'm just, just looking back, like the like best comedy films, 2010s, The Nice Guys, The Gentleman. Like I haven't seen that. Like I wouldn't even Parasite wouldn't really that's consider a, them. That's not a comedy film at all. Booksmart. I've not watched. Is that. is very good. Mid nineties as well. Also but very good. I don't read comedies, are they? Mid nineties less so, but Booksmart is a comedy. Oh, Booksmart okay. is one hundred percent a comedy, and I I would say that. Um. Yeah, the Zombieland Double Tap. No, absolutely not. Wouldn't say that. I remember the interview. That wasn't. That's like two thousand fourteen. But remember I, the interview? I, I can't imagine that was funny. Yeah, I can't imagine it was either. But yeah, I didn't see it though. Like, I w- I would say uh, Booksmart. Um, that's that's a memorable comedy from the last five years. I think that's twenty eighteen. That's very good. Beyond that, beyond that, I think there's a deficit of imagination. Yeah. So th- there's going to be a Tropic Thunder moment though. You know, it all comes in cycles. Mm. Where there'll be something that uh, you know, something that will uh, refresh it. Like even you have um. Uh, Judd Apatow and all those lads like Judd Apatow wrote uh, Walk Hard mm. and he obviously did Anchorman and stuff like that which were like kind of the new strain or the new generation of comedians coming in with a uh, sort of new new takes on things new new sort of styles of comedy uh, compared to like the sort of the 90s yeah. kind of takes which is gonna happen again soon but like I think at the moment there's like a there's a weird kind of um, I don't know there's like a sort of a stasis you know like a lot, a lot of things are too ironic. Have you seen um, the Love Witch? I have not. I've heard very good things, and I think that is uh, that's from twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. Mm. That is, um, that might be what you're talking about. Like that's a parody, a very good parody, apparently, of like horror films from before, but like through the feminist lens, and it does something interesting and unique with it to the point where it it might very well shatter the the genre of itself. Mm. I've heard very good things about that film. But just like looking up on like like I'm on comedy films twenty sixteen, Sausage Party, Central Intelligence, like these are just bland, forgetful fucking comedies. Central Intelligence, what the fuck is that? The Rock and Kevin Hart. Oh jeez. Yeah. You know Kevin Hart was gonna be in Tropic Thunder, but he didn't want to play a gay character. Really? Yeah. Wow. But that's how that's how long ago it was. Yeah, Jesus. You know, that's starting to bother you. Yeah, it's not that. Is but it is it that funny? Yeah, that's it's funny, but it's like it's funny, but it's not like you know. I wouldn't say it's fully a comedy. Game night, game night's very good, but again, it's not very like people. I think the people, the the good ones, kind of slipped underneath from all the shit ones that were that came out. Like, game night is very good. That's on uh, on Netflix. I would recommend that film. At least I think it's on Netflix. Could be wrong there, but um, yeah, like just scroll. I'm literally going through like, like I'm on 2019. Like, Booksmart's the best one there. Fucking. Uh, like, for How High 2, a sequel. Like how High? That how did, High 2. Is that what the. Is that the Seth Rogen thing? Uh, no, this is How High's. Actually, I talked about How High a while ago, ages ago. Jeez, I don't know the musical to that. Um, how High is the one where it's two stoners end up going to Harvard because they smoke their best mate and he comes back as a ghost. Oh. Uh. Um. But like, yeah, like it's that's just yeah. There's nothing like mm. there isn't. There really isn't those like memorable comedies. Say what we will about the two thousands, 
you remember the comedies. Yeah, there are. There's a lot of good comedies. Like as awful as they were and as bad as they are, they're memorable and they are iconic. And they make you. They make you laugh. That's that's the that's the thing. That's the key it's thing. Just going through 2020 as well. Like I do agree, but there are very few. But they're not as memorable. And it probably might be because, like, what film? Like, what are some good comedies from the 2013s? Like twenty, the early 2010s. Um, other guys. Hangover, like that, with like yeah. iconic ones. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Hangover's not very good. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not that good. The other guys, yeah. The other guys. That's 2010, though. You know, yeah. just like just at the, the tail end of it. Um, but Adam Adam McKay, like the guy who did that, he kind of went to, to more political direction after that. I can imagine. So, like, he did Vice and all, and then he did, uh, I think Moneyball. Yeah. Stuff like that. He went more like, more like a sociological kind of take on stuff. Which is good for him, you know. Mm. But at the same time, his comedy, I prefer his comedy way more. You know, like... Yeah. Like, fucking, you know... Hollywood should sort of stay out of that genre, I think. Yeah. All that sort like, of... Like, I just looked up, like, 2013 there, just to grab a number. Mm. And uh, The World's End came out that year. World's End, part of the Cornetto trilogy. Oh, Jesus. Two of the most yeah. iconic yeah, comedies yeah, yeah. of the, the 2000s. And then you got the world's end, and the world's end is easily the worst one by far. The it's not even close. Yeah, you know, it's like that. That almost made the the, the previous two films worse mm-hmm. by how bad it was. You know, there there is there's there's something in the air. There's like a you know something in the psychosphere or there's, something like that. Sorry, there's two good parodies though, like the cop buddy cop films, action films. Jesus Christ, it was hard to describe. <laughs> uh, Hoffman just destroys that genre. Who? Who? What? What? Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Oh, destroys. Yeah. I think you said Hoffa, like Jimmy. No, Hoffa. no. Hot Fuzz. Sorry, uh, yeah. I was so confused by that. Hot Hoffa. Fuzz. I, I was like, like some biopic. Isn't it? there was a Hoffa biopic recently? Maybe yeah. Gary Oldman or something. Wasn't but John of the Dead like destroys the zombie genre and stuff like that. Yeah, like, these yeah. are good parodies of the genre. And then you got fucking The World's End, and it's just like yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. That's the thing. That's the thing. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do something like a Tropic Thunder. Or walk hard. It has to be like it's not just destroying the genre, it's like making it into something else. Mm-hmm. You know? It's making it it's pushing it to it's like, you know, like leaning on it to the point where it bursts. But like it's not it's not gone. It just has to remake itself yeah. and do something else. And that's what they do. Up until like recently maybe, like, you know, fucking um Bohemian Rhapsody and stuff yeah. like that. I think they're kinda of falling back to uh genre. Back to the uh the norm, you know, which is not uh which isn't good. Well, it's it's you know it's all gonna it's nature will play itself out you know mm. eventually we'll have something like eventually one of these days we're all gonna walk into a cinema or like there'll be like something on the streaming site where every breaking point yeah everyone's gonna love it or not everyone but like people are gonna start like laughing again and we'll be like wow like how did we live with fucking you know I don't know bollocks yeah Borat two for like yeah. ten years you know <laughs> I don't know I haven't even seen Borat two but yeah but even like fucking uh, Booksmart it's not like it's it's like uh, we talked about this a while ago. It's like uh, super bad, and like those yeah, kind of yeah. coming of age comedies, like through a different lens, and it does like unique things from doing it. But like these films aren't like, as iconic as the early two thousand films. Even like something like The Ringer, who like people yeah. most people have forgotten, but you remember the lines. Like everyone remembers like when the fuck did we get ice cream? Like everyone remembers that. Yeah, I didn't remember that, but I, I just remember I liked, like I laughed at the film. Like mm. the film was funny. To a degree that if it came out today, obviously it wouldn't work today. But like, if it did come out today, it'd be like, it'd be really funny in the context of what we usually see, mm. like the usual comedy fair right now. What about nineties comedies? What were they like? I wonder. 
90s comedies. Like, what, what Friends. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. We're complaining about 2010s. I wonder what the 90s was like. The Waterboy, American Pie, Big Daddy. Yeah, there's Big Lebowski. Well. <laughs> Office Space. Happy Gilmore. I never liked Happy Gilmore. Barton Fink. Ever ever seen Barton Fink? I've heard it's good. I, I don't understand that film at all. I don't think it's good at all. But apparently it's amazing. Yeah. I've wa- I watched it before. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, when you look at 90s comedy, holy fuck, these are pretty bad movies. Stuart Little. Are comedies just in like bad movies mostly? I think it, yeah. Because it's, it's like, it's so, it's one of those things. It's like horror where like being horrified and laughing are two very similar things. Yeah. But they're both things that like are like instinctual. It's like monkeys can get horrified. Monkeys can laugh and stuff like that. It's just something that, um, you know, which isn't isn't bad at all, but um, it's just something that's way easier to do. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I hear you. Hocus Pocus, ever watched that? Yeah, it's okay. Shite. Yeah. Baby's Day Out, ever watched that? At least my, my favorite film. Yeah, like I'm on, like, I'm on Letterboxd now looking at 1990s comedies, like Truman Show. It's number th- is like would be. It's like, not that funny though. But it's not really a comedy. Yeah. Like Home Alone. Yeah. Ace Ventura. Yeah, like you know. I love Ace Ventura. Points being made though is that they're not really that <laughs> memorable or like. Yeah. You know, I I do agree, and I don't know what it is about the. The post twenty fifteen era of yeah. twenty twenty or twenty. twenty tens. I don't know. But you know, something will come out eventually and be very good, and everyone will love it. Yeah, I will you know? be there. Can't wait. Um, our next question is coming in from Tom, and Tom is asking us, what are our favorite coming-of-age movies? Um, Bookmare, mid-90s. I think are two very good very good picks. Days and Confused. I haven't watched. You've never I watched Days and Confused? It, yeah. You should watch that. You'd like that. Yeah. You would enjoy that. You should watch it with Isabel or something. Very vibey film. Yeah, I've heard, it's, I've heard it's very vibey. McConaughey. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm. He's in it as well, as a little boy. And... It's just good, you know. Richard Linklater is very good. Yeah. What do you think about Boyhood? The coming of age epic? Um, I don't think I've ever seen that all the way through. Yeah, it's kind of shite. Yeah, I remember it was just like a big I don't gimmick. Really like it. it was one of those gimmick things that the Oscars love. Yeah. Which is like fine. But, you know, if you're doing... It's more like the historical aspect of it. It's like, oh, I charted 12 years and... Or was it 12 years? 12 years. But my problem with that is that like... Like sitcoms do that all the time. Like we don't look at fucking mm. Modern Family and we're like, isn't or two, it? Am- two and a half men. Yeah, yeah. We're not like, oh, isn't it <laughs> amazing that the actors grew up throughout the entire thing? It's like it's yeah. basically what fucking comedies do. Yeah, yeah. But they don't get the hype for that because why the fuck would they? They're expected to, but we don't expect it with film. Mm, yeah. It's like yeah, whatever. Like, Plus it's shorter. Yeah, it's shorter films like filming shoots, or whatever. Mm. Like just I don't know, they're doing twenty minutes. 20 minute segments, 30 minute segments, or whatever. Like, actors are doing entire seasons for fucking comedy shows, but we don't give them the credit for, like, the fact that the characters age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, you know? he's aging. <laughs> like, I don't know. Time, don't, time works on him as well. Whoa. I didn't find that, and I didn't even find the fact that they were, that the boy aged to be very effective when I watched Boyhood when, to begin with. Yeah. They're, they're still making that, aren't they? He's doing an even longer one, I'm pretty sure. Is he? Yeah. This one's over 20 years, I think. <laughs> Crazy man. It's where he gets married and gets divorced or something. Mm. Probably. Maybe. Called well, manhood. <laughs> Deathhood. Imagine that's just basically Truman Show at that stage. Yeah, if his yeah, if he films his death. Yeah. That would be pretty cool though. But yeah, you know. Yeah, fuck that. Like coming of age movies, mid nineties I would say. I eight love grade, them. eight grade. 
Ah oh, man, watch me and Isabel tried to watch him. We like, I can't. Like we all watched the opening scene. Oh like, really? Nah, I can't. Yeah, do this. yeah. I was like, Ugh. I'm not able for this. It, it's like it's way too accurate. Mm. To a, like an amazing extent, like to it's it's an, it, like it's like excruciating it's, extent. Yeah, to an extent that it's an amazing film, but you're like, oh my god, I can't do this. That's mm. me, you know. That is me, you know. I like, feel this. I I see myself in this. Yeah, and you don't want that. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. want that. From <laughs> I coming, don't want to relive this. Like, shit. coming of age movies are for that, but like when it's something like eighth grade, you don't want it. Yeah, it's like I see this every night when I close my eyes. I don't need to watch <laughs> this on my moments, phone. Yeah. These moments are played in my eyes. Yeah. At night. yeah. <laughs> what about something like uh, Lady Bird? What did you think about Lady Bird? I've never seen that. I think it's alright. See, this is the problem with coming of age movies: is that like if you don't connect with the character, you're fucked. Like, there's nothing else to really. What's Lady Bird about? It's that uh, Saoirse Ronan one. It's the one where like she's like rebelling against her her mom or whatever and she moves out but like I think Lady Bird pretty good movie I didn't connect with the character at all so then there's nothing to latch onto which is the problem I think with coming of age movies as a whole if you mm. don't connect with the character you're kind of fucked although I think with mid 90s the vibe and aesthetic is enough to like if you're in with the vibe and aesthetic there's a lot to to mosey along with yeah that mid- one for one a- uh, aspect ratio and everything yeah mid 90s is class I love mid 90s yeah I love that film very good. Jonah Hill, you know. But, uh, yeah, you don't need to sort of relate to him. It's yeah. funny at all. And Booksmart is kind of like that as well. Like, Booksmart, I feel like, does enough as a coming age movie. Toward the point, like, you can, even if you don't relate to the characters, which I do think would be extremely difficult. Mm. They're very relatable characters. But even if you somehow don't, uh, there's enough, like, gags and, like, cool shit going on to enjoy, you know? Yeah. Uh, Clueless apparently is a coming age film. Clueless is <coughs> decent. It is. It's a bit weird though that they're like brother and sister. <laughs> yeah. Like I like that's never really talked about, is it? Yeah. That's so oh, weird. It's, it's, I found that so weird. Yeah. No, I find that really weird. I did enjoy Clueless, but at the end I was like, whoa, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> they're stepbrother and sister. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, we're only stepbrother and sister though. Have you seen The Graduate? Um. Oh, Dustin Hoffman? Yes. Yeah, ages ago. Like, That's yeah. apparently technically a coming-of-age movie. I suppose, because he makes, you know, it's like... He comes oh. of age. He's like... And then you're supposed to be like, oh, no, uh, don't do that, you know? Yeah. I haven't seen that film in ages. That's one of those films Music that was on... amazing. Uh, it was on, like, Sky Classics back in fucking, you know, 2008 or something. You know? Music is amazing in the film. Yeah, yeah, Mrs. Robinson. Joe DiMaggio... Yeah, coming of age movies, it, they can be hit or miss, but when they hit, by jo- by golly, do they hit? By golly, yeah, great stuff, you know. Good stuff. Will yeah. we leave it there? We'll leave it there. So, any recommendations for next week? My recommendation for episode forty-three is going to be the Paul Schrader film Mishima: A Life in Four Chapters. M I S H I M A. No idea where you can watch this, but we'll find it somewhere. Um, two hours long this is a guy who wrote Taxi Driver mm-hmm. yeah so a serious character and Based, M- Mishima who's Mishima uh, Mishima is a Japanese dude he's a writer um, very famous writer but even more famous by the fact that he performed seppuku as a form of suicide um, after his is, coup attempt after his he coup he tried attempt. to overthrow the Japanese government yeah and everyone laughed at him and so he committed suicide. Yep. So, yeah, weird car, weird, weird man, very strange man. Apparently this is like one of the best films ever made. We'll have a look. We'll gander at it. You know, it doesn't get the Parapod approval. How good is it really, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see if it gets a stamp of approval. Well, Mishima, interesting guy. I hope it's an interesting film. 
We've been talking a lot about fascism recently. We've been talking about <laughs> fucking... <laughs> I don't know. We're always talking about fascism. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking it's about biopics there. this films this week. So, you know, it's nice little... Yeah, I'm talking about Paul Shred. So, yeah. yeah. Find it somewhere. Enjoy your week, dear listener. Yeah, hope have you a have, good one. Hope you have a happy Monday. Yeah. Hope bye it's bye a good bye. one. Also, Michelle, thanks for sharing this on Instagram. Cause <laughs> I love you, Michelle. God <laughs> love bless. Love you, Michelle. All right, bye, everyone. Bye.